Listening to Sunglasses at Night podcast, the year is 2018. It sure is. Uh, this is the podcast where we put on our time ray bands and travel back through history via the lens of the ARIA charts, Australian Recording Industry Association charts, and look at what the number ones were for a particular year, and in this case being 2018. And if you want to follow along, uh, follow the YouTube link in the, um, the, the notes at the bottom, and you can see the videos all kinds of great music videos <laughs> to go along with all kinds of great songs oh, I think, yes. for this year <laughs> it's only five years ago tom so it's it's very yeah. very recent um but i'd forgotten a lot of these songs had you or i hadn't or some of them i'd not heard before there were a couple that i hadn't heard yeah i mean to be honest i'm not paying a lot of attention to the number ones typically but you know, some of these, a lot of the, we had a lot of big songs this year, and some of them are just impossible to avoid. So, you know, absolutely. Yeah. Now, we've mentioned this before: uh, the aria charts, how the number ones are determined, that has changed over time. Yep. Yes. So, in the early days, we were just looking at physical uh, seven inches and cassettes, and then obviously the CD single era, mm-hmm. digital download era, streaming era. So, in two thousand eighteen. Um, so what? Actually, sorry. Step back a bit. 2014 streaming data was included uh, in the ARIA singles charts for the first time. So mm. 2014, and in 2018, so the year we're looking at now, ARIA changed the methodology to give greater emphasis to paid subscription streams over supported streams, ad supported. So therefore, we shouldn't have any trash songs this year because this isn't just anyone listening to Spotify with absolutely no knowledge of music. This is people that have paid the money for Spotify. They want to be there. They want to listen to the songs. So I think we're going to get a higher calibre of music yes. as a result of that, Tom. That's Agreed? The, yes. Yes. It's the only logical thing. <laughs> what they've done, um, it used to be one-to-one. So you had, a yep. free, you had a free Spotify or a free Apple Music. You paid for it. Those streams are worth one-to-one. Now they've said, if you're paying for it, we're going to rank that a bit higher. So yeah. let's see what happens. But I'm, I'm, I'm confident, Tom. I'm confident <laughs> it's going to be gold, yes. all kinds of stuff. So, so that's that in terms of the actual music and how they're calculating these charts. But uh, 2018 in general, what was going on? What can you tell me? Oh, just a refresher for five years ago. Uh, 2018 Winter Olympics were held Ooh. in Pyeongchang, South Korea. Mm-hmm. Uh, Australia got three medals, all of which were for freestyle skiing and snowboarding. When you put that right. alongside our skating and BMX medals in Tokyo, I think it's pretty clear that the future of Australian Olympic competition is extreme sports. Yeah. Don't you think? Absolutely. I mean, you know, more and more parents are struggling to understand why their kids should be getting knocked out playing rugby or boxing. Mm-hmm. Those same kids could be out racking up TBIs doing sick 1080 backside <laughs> squirrel grabs and winning gold, gold, gold for Australia. That's what I'm saying. Exactly know? right, for sure. I mean, back in the day, you used to have to spend your time um, practicing just relentlessly for boring sports, you know, mm. like javelin. That's not exciting. No one, you're not getting no. it. Whereas with the skateboarding, it's a lot more fun. You can get chicks. That's right. You can right. blast, you know, just 
super cool punk songs like Five Seconds of Summer on your boombox mm. while at the skate ramp. And it just sounds like a lot more fun, I think. That's so. right. Why let another child traumatise themselves by knocking out your child when they could simply do it on a concrete exactly. piece of paving outside of Bun's, Bunnings Furniture Warehouse? You For know? sure. And unlike other, if you fail in you know tennis or something, no one cares. But if you fail in skateboarding or BMX and your friends have filmed it, mm-hmm. you can release it as like a hilarious... Video exactly VHS yes. with um, viral success exactly right exactly so yeah I think kids should <laughs> definitely get more into the extreme sports. Um, China's government approved a constitutional change that removed term limits for its leaders. That's good. Uh, granting Winnie the Pooh the status of president for life, including an unlimited supply of honey, his own treehouse, and an official decree that it's now acceptable for political figures to be nude from waist down in public. That's good. So that was good. Uh, speaking of animals with their asses hanging out, uh, Donald Trump met with Kim Jong-un and the two t- dictators did what dictators always do when they meet each other, lie to each other, then walk away thinking that A, the other professional liar definitely didn't assume I was lying to them, yep. and B, there's no way that the other professional liar would have dared lied to me because I'm too cool. Uh, either way, North Korea held off testing nukes for the usual 48-hour period, and <laughs> Dennis Rodman suddenly looked like a fucking elder statesman of international democracy. Also, I mean, do you, do you, when you look at that, do you think Kim Jong-un was like meeting with Donald Trump? This is a step down from my previous sort of Rodman. I think I would have yeah, thought oh, so. Yeah, In yes. the intellect stakes, mm. I would have assumed that you know, Dennis Rodman would have brought a lot more to the table, but That's I could be right. right. I, I sometimes wonder that with Putin when, you know, does he look at world leaders and rank them against Steven Seagal, you know, <laughs> yeah, in terms sure. of, you know, hair quality, looking like a Chinese restaurant. Absolutely. Number of indentured Asian underage servants that he's got in his retinue. And, yeah. Seagal could... Is he vice president of Russia these days? <laughs> like, Pretty much. He's sort of, yeah. I think he's like a general in the army in yep. America. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, in music, Beyonce was the first black woman to headline Coachella, then put out a massive album with Jay-Z, then went on a massive tour with him, which was a bit weird given that her last album, Lemonade, was written from the perspective of a woman who's furious at her husband for banging skanks. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, who amongst us hasn't forgiven a partner when there were staggering financial rewards on offer? <laughs> Correct. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. Um and speaking of R-E-S-P-E-C-T, Aretha Franklin passed away mm. at 76 from pancreatic cancer, which i got to admit is younger than I thought she actually would have been. So, you know, yep. she was still touring and planning albums. Uh, Dolores Riordan from the Cranberries also passed away, proving tragically that it is possible to drown in a bathtub, provided that you drink the entire mini bar first. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if you're going to do that, definitely kill yourself afterward or else you'll get a bill for 47 grand. Yeah, that's that. So, yes, yeah, maybe definitely. she just realised, oh, I've crossed that line and went, oh, well, I might as well, you know, top myself now. You know, that bill would be... I ate both of those giant Kit Kats. There's no way I'm getting out of this hole. We'll have to, she'd have to go back to touring again, I think, <laughs> to sort of support sure. that chocolate <laughs> habit from a minibar, for sure. Yeah, all right, let's get into the, let's get into the tunes. Um... Fifty Shades Free was my favourite film of the year, Tom. Oh, sorry, no, I didn't talk about it. <laughs> yeah, oh, actually, I mean, yeah, I, I didn't have the top ten this year, but we do have one giant old school movie song coming we up do later have a movie on. Song, so you know um, that that wasn't from that one of the Fifty signal. Shades of Grey films. No, so pretty good. unusually, yeah, yes. Cool. All right, Tom. First of Jan for five more weeks. It was um, Ed Sheeran with Perfect. Yes. 
So we don't have to talk about that. We did that last week. Uh, yes. Do you have anything more to say about that? Uh, no, I believe you described it as uh, the number one wedding song among the acquired brain injury community, yeah. uh, beating out his previous contender, Thinking Out Loud by Ed Sheeran, which <laughs> he also wrote. So yeah. he's cornered the market in this area. So yeah, it was but, a step yeah. up from Galway Girl, um, but <sighs> yep. but anything That's is, true. I dare say, at that point. So let's, for the love of God, let's move on to something with a bit so, more musical. Yeah, first uh, new song of the year, fifth of February for how many weeks? Eleven, 11 weeks. weeks. Christ on a bike. It's uh, Drake with God's plan. Mm, mm. I mean, the obvious joke to make is that this song demonstrably proves God has no plan, <laughs> yeah. or at least has terrible taste in music. Yeah. Uh, either that or Drake has made some Robert Johnson-style crossroads-related deal with Satan, except instead of asking for musical talent in exchange for his soul, Drake asked for a chin-beard trimmer that would never go blunt and immunity from child grooming <laughs> charges, <laughs> which is really... So led him to the top so far wasn't so interested in <laughs> musical talent uh, but yeah no look let's just start out by saying um, the music video for this song Tom is the equivalent of some of those TikTok or YouTube yeah I tip the waitress five grand let's see what her reaction is in his defence I will say they were slightly less common five years ago they've mm. become such a total hack if someone did this now people would be like Pfft. Unless it was a piss take, it would just be like, what are you doing? But yeah, I yeah, mean, it's so still... It starts out with uh, on-screen text saying the budget for this video was 9000 Sorry, was it $996,000? Yeah, nearly, nearly a million. And yeah. 90 cents, and we gave it all away. Yep. So that's what they did. They, they gave the money away. Yep. And look, yeah, I think... You are correct in the sense that maybe I'm being a bit cynical because these videos are just everywhere now of like, oh, I just went mm-hmm. to Kmart and gave someone 500 bucks. Let's yeah, see what they're yeah. going to do. Well, but, not even not money, just dumb shit like, oh, I kissed a stranger on the cheek and I'm a hot question mark 25 year old. You know, they'll yeah. be grateful or here's some flowers I found outside a servo. <laughs> do you want these? Yeah. Oh, you know. And then they play some dog shit TikTok thing over the top. And, yeah. You know. It is completely yeah. ridiculous. But yeah, look, so he did give the money to people that probably yes. needed it more than just blowing the money on a music video. And yeah. I guess he got, you know, got to have his cake and eat it too because he gets a music video out of this at the end of the day because he's filming the giving yeah. away of the money. So he still has a music video for this song, giving the money away. So yeah, positive, I guess, on all yeah. fronts there. But um, I, I think probably just because I'd seen this shit play out so much over the last few years, I saw this and just went... Oh, that's yeah. right. I forgot. I remember seeing this at the time. No, I um, came home drunk at the time, and I saw this, and I, I you know, I always that I was a bit emotional because I was a bit drunk, and I was like, "Oh, that's not such a bad video." But I know what you mean. Rewatching it now, I was like, "Yeah, this just." It's like a five-minute-long version of one of those bloody TikTok things. I know what you mean. Yeah. So directed by Karina Evans. Uh, as you say, it's mostly Drake wandering around the hood, with not Toronto, where he grew up. Just um, I think it's Miami, and. Uh, various places handing out wads of cash in exchange for hugs like yeah like one of those youtube influencers except of course if he you know gave me personally 50 yep. grand in a rubber band i would 100 percent feel differently and you know probably burst into tears on camera in some highly embarrassing yep. way uh, while professing to be a secret fan of drake paul or who the fuck it was <laughs> um, unlike drake i'm trying to be honest here ben you know but uh, oh yeah, yeah there's course. a lot of there's a lot of giant novelty check action 
I, I did quite like the. There's one bit that I did quite like uh, where he goes into Woolies with a megaphone and just says, "Hey, everyone, get." Anything you want on me to like everyone in the supermarket, and then you just see there people like see shit, how yeah. much they can physically stack up. I mean, that would be a good day. Tell if somebody walked into a supermarket oh, yeah. here and it just said, yeah. "I'd be going straight for the deli meat section because you know me, Ben. They don't call me Tom the Impacted <laughs> Colon for nothing." What would what would your first stop be? Oh, Let's yeah. say it's not one that's got a bottle shop in it, no, so you can't go straight for the booze. Which which section yeah. are you running straight to? So I'm in the IGA, and, and in walks a Kate Sabra. Or something, yep. or uh, tones and eyes tone, with the megaphone. Yeah, that's true. Tones and I with the megaphone in the uh, once. Be, my video's to, got a ninety-six dollar yeah. budget, and yeah. I'm going to blow it all yeah. in this. Uh, <laughs> I might not understand what she's saying because she uses the baby voice a lot. Everything in this supermarket, like going, what's that tones and I? Everything in this, but uh, you'd figure it out. Yeah, I oh, look. Mm. I'd probably go for yeah, definitely. Um, a lot of novelty chips, I think. Oh, <laughs> yeah. See what the next, so next flavour combination is. buy a lot of those. Um, yeah, certainly I'd do that. Um, probably try and get some of that, that high-quality coffee from the coffee mm. aisle. I was going to say um, lettuces, but they seem yeah, to have basically yeah, come back to normal now. Yeah, there was a time when you could have yeah. got very wealthy. Probably about, you know, and just a heap of lamb shoulders or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So go, go for the expensive stuff, but yeah, for sure. Look, but no, it would be quite good. And this is a better video clip than, say, was it last week or the week before when Pink had that sort of, oh, I hate the president, so I'm going to get people to do interpretive dance to that. I mean, like, yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah, at least, at least some people's lives were positively affected by this, you know. Yeah, that's something. Yeah, exactly. He also, but he does say, don't tell the record label. You know, like, oh, like you yeah, mentioned. Yeah, because he's sticking it to the man. Sticking it to the yeah. man. So, um, look, it's not like he gave the money away out of his own pocket, is it? The record label basically did this for Yeah, him, so. yeah. And it, it, I mean, I I couldn't figure out if it was Karina Evans or whose actual idea it was, like in the credits. Mm. Like it didn't sort of, it didn't doesn't actually specify. But that that's the smart person, whoever just went, oh, they get, we've got a million bucks for a Drake video. What are we going to do with it? The person who just went, let's just give it all away on camera. That's that's our problem solved. You know, then we don't need a script. We don't need actors. We don't need. We just walk around and you know, like that's that's clever. I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, Justin Bieber actually copied this exact idea mm. Um, mm. for a song that He's he had called uh, Intentions. Oh, about okay. Two years after <laughs> this. Um, so it was basically the same shit. So I think that's probably why I was annoyed with this Drake one a little bit. Because I was like, isn't that been done like 50 times oh, before? Yeah. Not realising yeah. that he was probably one of the first. I'm sure I'm sure a lot of those YouTube yep. guys sort of yep. got the same idea from these two. <laughs> but uh, the Bieber one is real whack because there's a girl and he, and he shows up and she's like, yeah, you know, I, I go to college. It's, you know, like a fair way away. I can't afford a car. So I have to get the yeah. bus. Takes me two hours on the bus each way to get to college, do my classes and then come home. So, you know, but look, I'm just trying to get my education for a better future. And then Bieber's like, well, look at this. And he gives her a car and she's like, whoa, how emotional was that? <laughs> and then he goes and talks to some other kids and they're just like, oh, hey, nice to meet you. Yeah, what are you kids doing? He's like, um, you know, just go to school and stuff. And he's like, 
here's a backpack. So (laughs) someone gets a card, someone gets a backpack. So I don't know. Just the backpack just seemed whack as hell. And you're just like going, what? You just gave someone a card. And so no one wants that. And I mean, a lot of this is clearly set up in the video. Like he's like, it sort of makes it look like he's walking down the street with, you know, giant wads of cash handing them out. But obviously he's told the people that he's going to, give it to to be sitting in this space so he can walk up to them like it's a surprise and yep. make them cry and that sort of, that sort of thing absolutely but, yeah. so so I remember the music video because it obviously has that element to it what about the song itself Tom what can you tell me about that <sighs> god almighty because it's um, what's the word I'm looking for fucking garbage is that a fair assessment yeah it's credited as written by Drake Brock Corson and producers Cardo Young Exclusive Boy Wonder and Noah Forty Shabib, <laughs> which just I could have just made all that up. Although between the lines, it sounds like Cardo just emailed Drake some crappy synth shit, and Drake wanked on about what a tough guy from the hoodie is over the top, calling up Cardo and saying, "Quote: We got one." Like that scene in <laughs> Ghostbusters where someone finally reports a oh, ghost yeah. sighting. Except instead of Sigourney Weaver with a portal to hell in her fridge, it's the world's dullest Canadian with another melody-free mumble-mouthed pop trap turd in a bag yeah. but like waving it at you like a toddler is just you know surprised you at a dinner party <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean seriously yeah it's this this is just yeah I, yeah I can't hack this stuff it starts out as it means to go on with a basic synth beat under atonal meaningless non-rhyming words not wrapped through an auto-tune filter so heavy that they're indecipherable like that's the first 10 seconds of the song and it just goes from there the rest of it's just that yeah look the the, the phrase God's plan I, I oh I, that's I sort particularly of, I, I, irritating it's, it's terrible like you know when you're watching the Grammys or some award show in yep. America and someone go and they they get given the award or even like yeah. someone an American football player the quarterback throws yeah. a winning touchdown and then after the game it's like this was all just part of you know God's yeah. plan I mean that gives me sort of Cringe chills worse than a 40-year-old white real estate agent <laughs> rapping on TikTok. Like, I sort of oh get this God. real feeling of, I like, know, yeah. like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what M- it is. Much something like this about- video, it's just a sort of cringingly, like, it's an obvious humble brag. Yeah. The, the God's plan thing, it's like, it, it, it's on, it's like one millimeter of humility on the top of a deep, deep well of self-love and unearned, you know, arrogance and confidence about, you know, like the people thanking God at the football, as though they're so important that God has individually influenced, you know, things in their favour as opposed to all the other people on the team and the other team and so forth. I mean... Yeah, look, I don't know God personally, Tom, but I'm not really sure whether he would (laughs) give a shit about who... Through the winning touchdown in a game of football, probably that was all. You know, the, the, he's not. He's well. He's not real for a start, but he's not up there. Let's let's assume up in heaven is real, but it's not. But let's assume for a second that it is. He's not up there going, "Fuck it, I'll, I'll better yeah. make sure Fred gets that winning touchdown." Exactly. Make sure he gets that. And it's also not like Fred was playing the game in a God fearing and humble way, like <laughs> turning the other cheek the way Jesus did. Yeah. No, so you've just done 90 minutes of physical violence, you know, pushing things as far as they can get into your favour by cheating as much as you possibly can and doing bullshit end zone dances every time yeah. you win any points and now you're suddenly humble, much like this song where the title God's Plan covers up 
the rest of the lyrics about him just bragging about what a fucking tough guy he is, how much money yep. he's got, how hard it was that he came up, yep. etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. God's plans definitely can't he be teaming up with David Guetta for a cover <laughs> of fucking you know a song by the Black Eyed Peas, I dare say. But mm. look, I don't know. Just for, for my mind, Drake being one of the biggest rappers in the world, it, it truly boggles the mind. It doesn't does it? boggle sort the of, mind. You know, you do hear other people and go, I can see. You know, you don't have to be the biggest M M fan in the world but you can sort of see that he, mm. he has the ability to to craft a narrative and you know obviously yeah. he shits on people so you can and like that or hate that he's but doing something other people able to, aren't necessarily yeah. doing yeah so you sort of you might you might not like it but you can see that yeah he does have the talent to be able to put something together with Drake I'm just like going what the fuck is going on here it's I just know. like you know it's down and down and yo we and bullshit and it's so overproduced and auto-tuned to fucking just yep. tedious and his lyrics have nothing to say about anything oh it's really. the most played out shit it's like yeah. things that are so 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 overdone in hip hop but let's do it a thousand times again right. but make it a shittier version that no one wants to listen I know what to you mean. I, I feel like I'm not au fait enough with modern hip hop to comment on this to, to be able to judge but I can't tell whether it's like He's just bad, but people like him the way sometimes that happens. Or whether he's sort of like lowest common denominator pop trap sort of stuff. And he's good at cashing in on the current trends. Like we've sort of watched him move through the various styles that we're in, you know, in at the moment from like dance hall. Now he's doing this sort of trap stuff and then... You know, like spoiler, but he, you know, his style just sort of keeps moving through whatever. That's true. So maybe he's just good at capitalizing. I, that's what I mean. I'm not. I'm not paying enough attention to this to be able to tell. But yeah, from an objective perspective, I cannot see the appeal of this at all. Like, yeah. No, it's straight garbage. Uh, I think that's fair enough. Do you have anything else to say? What about the similar uh, lyrics? Uh, she say, "Do you love me?" I tell her only partly. I only love my bed and my mama. I'm sorry. 50 dub, I even got it tatted on me. That's a friend from Toronto he had who died. Oh, uh, no. 81, they'll bring the crashes to the party, and you know me, turn the O2 into the O3. Now, that is a reference to when he played the O2 arena in the UK, mm. which, you know, tells about 20,000 people, big arena, and was being supported by Travis Scott. Uh, who had an accident on stage, which prompted Drake to claim that he was refunding everyone's tickets. Like he said, oh, it's, you know, everyone's getting their money back. I will link to the accident in the YouTube because it's pretty fucking funny. Basically, (laughs) Travis Scott, who's the sort of younger version of Drake, uh, he's sort of winding up to start his epic rap, Goosebumps, uh, named after the R.L. Stein books. Uh, he sort of bounces along the stage and falls down a hole in the middle of the stage. Right. While, but what makes it funny is he does it while he's using a mic, which has been set up with a heavy auto-tune filter. So you just hear this auto-tune, yeah, as he goes down a hole in the middle of the stage. It's pretty great. Like, it is, it's just a perfect Zoolander time moment. <laughs> then, like, there's this perfect length of time. Then Drake will runs over and pulls him out, and he, like, sort of jumps straight back on the stage and then in his ripped white acid wash jeans and gets straight back into the raft. So maybe Drake jumped the gun a bit by refunding 20,000 people's tickets on the strength of one guy making a twat out of himself. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If he couldn't perform, maybe I could understand, but it seems like he just got out of that hole and kept on going, so <laughs> sure. which, is, which is perfect. I don't know, but yeah. 
I'll link to that because it was quite entertaining. It was certainly more entertaining than this song. Anyway. Yeah, look, I don't have much more to say about this at all. No, no quickly, let's so move look, on to I'm something sure a the bit next better. artist Jeez. will be a lot, lot better. Oh, wait, uh, <laughs> fuck, it's more Drake with Nice For What. So Two Drake weeks, so 13 been... weeks in a row starting off the year. Oh, uh, sorry, let me just say that um, God's Plan, it's not even on Discogs, I couldn't even find a reference oh, to okay. it. So um, I don't think it was ever released in, in any a format. In form now. Um, or di- I couldn't even find anything. Um, and he's got 68.9 million listeners on Spotify. That's a lot, that's insane. That's completely crazy. In the world. Um, so yeah, so next song, Nice For What. This is better than God's plan but that's sort of in the same way that a bullet to the head is better than falling off a cliff and damaging your internal organs and dying a slow slow death Tom yeah no I quite agree I, have we had an artist knock their own number one off the chart with a number number one before I feel like the Black Eyed Peas did it once that might have been and I was angry then and I'm angry now maybe so. maybe Taylor Possibly Taylor, but, but if, yeah. if it doesn't happen often, no, I mean, it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't. it's no rare. It's no wonder it's rare with quality like this, though. You know, no, for sure. Can, yeah. Now, Tom, this has twenty-one credited fucking songwriters on it. Yes, that would be because the song contains samples of at least four other ah, songs. It does explain that. Yeah, uh, X Factor by Lauren Hill. Oh, yep. Big Timers, get your roll on. The Showboys Drag Rap from 1986, uh, very pertinent in America right now. <laughs> yeah. uh, and Big Freedia's intro to Freedia Live from 2017. Uh, it almost goes without saying that all of those songs are better than this one, but they are. Oh, I, I checked. It, it and goes they, without they saying, yeah. Are. Now, is that a record for the podcast, 21 songwriters on, on the... On the track, probably is. I reckon it is. We've we've had, there was one we had before that was like that too, where they were forced to credit all the other bands. Yeah, well, and that's, it was about fifty. Yeah. I reckon twenty though. That's that's, that's got to be. If you sample three or four artists, and and yeah, if if one of those songs that you've sampled has five songwriters, and you do the yeah. yeah, multiply that through, it's, so it's also like, possible that those songs contain the songs from well. other people. No, I doubt, mean that yeah. sounds like a joke, but that does actually happen. Oh look, the best part of this song is not the part where Drake is. Rapping, we can certainly say no. that it's um, obviously you know that Lauren Hill sample part's pretty catchy. I think that's yes. that's the, yeah. the highlight of this song. So when this song goes to number one, I'm like, well, it does have that sort of catchy component yeah. to it, but yet yeah, it's got nothing to do with him. It's just the sample that's been selected. People are obviously feeling that particular Lauren Hill song, um, X Factor that you mentioned, as uh, Cardi B uh, interpolated the same ah. single on Be Careful, which dropped a week previous to this song. Okay. So Cardi B went, I'm gonna gonna crank that out. So with a bit of um <laughs> interpolation that happens every three weeks it's these weird, days of music. So I don't know. The sort of the hip hop the mainstream Billboard top ten hip hop community are quite incestuous. Yeah, like they all sort of intermingle. Sometimes, literally, like sometimes they are going out with each other and appearing on each other's records or yep. exes of each other and yeah. doing diss tracks about the person that they just broke up with while using someone who's gone out. It's it's odd. I mean, this that didn't happen twenty years ago. For like sure. the top 10. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, you know, in the 90s, the grunge bands weren't all fucking each other and swapping each other's members and no, stuff. No, no, no. Constantly in a featuring sort of loop. Yeah, there's, there was a bit of intermingling because they were all in the same town, but this is, yeah. I mean, I, I, I suppose hip-hop is more like that than other genres, but it, but it is a bit strange. Like, Yeah, I guess being more of a sample-based music, you probably, you know... 
people are trying to rush to find the best sort of source material to sample for something, but then someone else might find it at the same yeah. time or something similar. And then the next thing you know, it's like, oh, wait a minute, that certain bit's been mm. sampled on a couple of different or records. Or they'll, they'll go, they'll, they'll get a sample and then they'll go, oh, well, instead of just you paying for the vocal, why don't I pay Cardi B to yep. sing the vocal instead? And then I'll just pay the interpolation fee for like the quoting fee for the like that line from whatever the black eyed peas instead of paying for the full thing yeah that that actually happens later this year there's someone else look and like you say i i prefer this to god's plan probably because it's more of a dance song um yeah as opposed to god's plan which oh god's plan's dog shit so that's probably why so like musical proof that god doesn't have one yeah uh, this is supposedly meant to be a tribute to Drake's appreciation of female empowerment. Oh, Jesus. And the video, which is directed by Karina Evans again, uh, features a bunch of powerful, influential women such as Angela Merkel, Greta Thunberg, Santa Marin, and an animatronic Rosa Parks driving a bus. Uh, just kidding, it's a bunch of B-list TV actresses. Uh, that said, most of them are wearing clothes. Oh, that's good. So it's a step up from Drake's usual videos, which are, you know, him in a puffer jacket riding a prostitute down to 7-Eleven to get milk. You know, that's yeah. sort of mostly his go. Also, the video features go-karts, so oh, we'll give an good. extra point for that. Good, yeah. good, good. Yeah, do you feel like he's trying to um, get out ahead of accusations by doing a female <laughs> empowerment video, Tom? Like, it's like, Possibly. well, look at this. Remember that time I did that female empowerment video? I'm not a bad dude at all. Well, it is kind of, sort of, I'm not sure if it qualifies as paradoxical, but there is a weird thing where being, you see it with corporate, corporate speak sometimes, like, perversely, being the lowest common denominator it does involve knowing when the wind changes. Yep, correct, and so if yep. the wind does change in a positive social direction or one that aligns with your personal ideology, then it can seem like a, you know, some, you can force people to, you know, be better if that's what, if that's oh. what's currently happening, you know, yeah. like, or at least pretend to be like corporate greenwashing and that sort of thing. Like, you know, some nod towards, something you know yeah exactly if there are some sort of R. Kelly style accusations directed Drake's way in the future I'm sure he'll point at his music video in court <laughs> as sort of his defence and say oh look at me sure, I remember right. when I gave away a million bucks in my video yeah, you know? exactly there's look, no way that you at know, least I've got 20 in the Cayman Islands that <laughs> I'm not paying tax on but you know sure at least Drake is doing vocals on this. He did have that number one last week where he did Sweet Fuck All on yes. it, you may remember. Yeah. Um, there were three other dudes doing vocals and someone else wrote the song. So it was a Drake number one, despite don't, yeah. not appearing to be actively involved Getting at all. It's into so. like Timberland bloody... Um, it is, yeah. What's his name? DJ Khaled territory where you find yourself in the no aftermath doubt. of the song thinking, what yep. did that person actually contribute to Yeah, that? for sure. It seems completely bizarre. But yeah. look, you know, power to him. This song was produced by Murder Beats, Tom. Oh, okay. Uh, who's a white dude from Toronto. He's effectively <laughs> the production equivalent of Snow. So mm-hmm. Murder Beats, um, he did show up again next year on a track with... Uh, Takeshi 6ix9ine and Nicki Minaj so he's not afraid to work with uh, actual sex offenders mm. not just alleged so, ones, yeah. which is good so yeah watch out for more murder fun. beats action is Trake the black snowbin? oh look I think that's a pretty fair assessment Tom if ever I've heard one they're both uh, from Canada yep they're both primarily dressed in puffer jackets yep. so they're about to go skiing down yep. a giant mountain of cocaine yep 
yeah. But what I will say is that um, listening to Drake makes me miss that ragamuffin <laughs> style of snow. I certainly miss that. And I don't think Drake's had a song as good as Girl, I've Been Hurt, Now I Need Another Lover. And I don't think he ever will. So yeah, I he's mean, the black snow, but he's also the poor man's snow. The I brown snow, perhaps. We can say he's, he's certainly... Drake's the brown snow. You heard it here first, people. Yeah, definitely. Um, he's a few notches below snow for, for my liking. He's the snow of colour, and you know what they say about the snow of colour. Yeah, uh, stay steer clear Just of it. Just don't go near it. Exactly. Yeah, no, tr- truly though, there is a lack of momentum in these songs. I think maybe that's partly to do with the kind of music I grew up with, hip hop and so forth. But like, I just find that over and over again, and it, yeah, it just keeps recurring this year. Like, except unless there's some element of dance or something brought into it by an exterior thing, like a producer or something, then there's just these so- they just have no momentum. These songs. They because they they have no chorus. They just mumble in the chorus, or the chorus is something they borrowed from someone else, which is just someone moaning through a auto tune, like which doesn't fit. The, yeah, anyway, you get it. The lyrics to this. What, uh, what's he talking sure. about this time? Some more bullshit, probably. Ah, uh, don't forget, this is a more empowering Drake. You oh know, he's yeah, changed. Yeah, this is Drake wearing his uh, pink uh, velour um, sweat sweater that he likes. Yeah. Uh, it's a softer pastel Drake. I understand you got a hundred bands, you got a baby Benz, you got some bad friends. Ooh. High school picks, you was even bad then. You ain't stressing off no lover in the past tense. You already had them. Work at 8am, finish round five. Hose talk down, you don't see them outside. Yeah, they don't really be the same offline. You know dark days, you know hard times. Doing overtime for the last month. Saturday, call the girls, get them gassed up got to hit the club, got to make that ass jump. Yeah. So, yeah, in Drake's world, an empowered woman is a sort of card-carrying bad bitch who drives a Benz, earns her own money, knows how to pay a phone bill on time, then goes out on the weekend to clap them cheeks and takes 47,000 selfies, of course. Yep. Do you reckon it's possible he's still got a thing for Rihanna? That's what I'm thinking. Oh, no doubt. Because it's rumoured that they've had an on-again, off-again relationship for, like... 15 years although Drake just might be the rare case of a high profile simp you mm. know much like Tarantino with Uma Thurman yep. or Vin Diesel with that Vin Diesel body pillow <laughs> you know Drake once said on stage that he's been in love with Rihanna since he was 22 mm. and after a 2010 interview on the subject of female empowerment said I was a pawn he said you know what she was doing to me she was doing exactly what I've done to so many women throughout my life which is show them quality time then disappear I was like wow this feels terrible <laughs> so you know there's a rare moment of sort of self-awareness from a hip-hop guy but since then they have sort of they've worked with each other and then people will see them in a nightclub making out or they'll be on stage but then Brianna will always in interviews always sort of keep him at arm's length and say, no, nah, we're just friends, you know, da-da-da-da-da. But it does seem like he legit might have a crush on him. And I think it's quite telling that on this rare occasion when off the top of his head he's trying to come up with what's an empowered woman, it just sounds like he's describing Rihanna pretty yeah. much exactly. <laughs> like the bad girl thing, like that's not a traditionally... That's not a thing traditionally associated with empowered women. That's just like a Rihanna branding thing. It's like just sounds yeah. like that pops into his head straight away. <laughs> you know? Look, Rihanna can definitely do better, Tom, I, I think. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. So I will say that straight off the bat. I mean, and after your one-night stand with Rihanna, is this how you feel? You know, were you like, did you just become <laughs> like a lifelong, you know, devotee? Um, oh, look, you know, I'll have to... 
I, I, I can't answer. <laughs> I mean, gentlemen don't, don't, don't no tell tales, do they? They don't no. kiss and tell. Yeah, exactly. Um, but look, it is also nice that um, he, he he felt really bad about the way that Rihanna treated him, but then admitted to oh, I do that all the time with basically every woman I meet. So yeah, again, it's kind I'm of sure a, it's kind of a weird humble brag, but yeah. yeah. Anyway. Oh, look, um, anything more to say about this? I don't, no, I don't know anything more no. to say about Drake. Discogs um, at all? Or none, another, none no. for sale. Yeah. It was on there, um, but the last one sold for $52. So okay. save your pennies if you want a copy of this on a sure. CD single. Um, and yeah, we, he's got 68, whatever it was, million people oh, listening. Right. So lots. Cool, moving on next. Yeah, it is a new artist, is it? Yes, it is. Thank goodness. Great. 30th of April for uh, two weeks? Is one just one two week. weeks? One week. One yep. week. Only one week. Uh, Ariana Grande, no tears left to cry. Ah, yes. Now, Tom. is this the first one of hers we've had? Uh, I think so. Yeah. I know you've talked about Ariana before. So. Yeah, I feel like a meeting a changing of the guard here with these these people. Yep. Ariana Grande, Drake, and, yeah, and someone else who's coming out later this year. Uh, look, for a, a white chick who grew up watching the Kardashians, uh, Grande seems to have learned from the Masters that she can safely get away with borrowing exactly 49.85% of her mannerisms, wardrobe, vocal affectations, sexual partners, lyrical content, and complexion from Afro-America without being accused of cultural appropriation Mm. in the mainstream press. Uh, I'm white and I hate her music, so it's no skin off my nose. I just find it unoriginal, unconvincing, and unnecessary. Uh, she's Italian, if yep. that makes any difference. <laughs> um, yeah, not African-American in any way. Uh, on the plus side, uh, whether you like her music or not, this was her first release since a suicide bomber killed 22 people in a mm. nail bomb attack yeah. following a concert in Manchester in 2017, which, I again, I'd forgotten. I felt bad about that. Um, after that, when she could have been forgiven for going straight the fuck home and hiding in her bedroom for six months. Instead, the next night, she headlined a tribute show for 50,000 people at the Old Trafford on the request of the mother of one of the victims, uh, only, like, a couple of miles away from the original attack, with, like, fucking uh, Liam Gallagher and a whole bunch of just people that were around at the time. Yeah. That's pretty good behaviour for a 23-year-old with access to a private jet, I would have thought, you know. She's done some other sketchy stuff, but I was like, that's, you know, that's not bad. <laughs> Look, I, th- I think, um, yeah, the, the Manchester bombing was obviously horrible. And I think the way that she reacted to it was, for as you said, someone that wasn't very old at the time was yeah. certainly above and beyond. She certainly No, no one would have blamed her for just, just going, getting, I'm getting out of the country. country. <laughs> yeah, fucking And I think even maybe... Um, Probably like six months or a year after the thing, I think she went back to Manchester as well and sort of performed. And she's sort of yeah. made a lot of references, I think, to sort of, um, you know, posted things about how bad she feels about the situation, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. You can be a bit of a knob without being a sociopath, you know. Yeah, exactly. So affected I think by she certainly handled it very well, I think, for something that, yeah, certainly very tragic. But look... Ariana Grande, amazingly, she's a child star who's managed to sustain a music career, <laughs> um, yep. which is a, a miracle because, let's face it, a lot of them fall away quite, quite quickly. That's but, true. Yeah. She, to me, she always felt like she belonged less to the sort of uh, uh, movie child star yep. thing and more to the sort of JT, Christina, yep. 
um, Britney sort of mouseketeers thing where they're like shucking and jiving from an early age. Yeah, because she was on like Nickelodeon shows, which is yeah, effectively like that sort, sort of, of Hannah Montana type correct, stuff. Correct, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, look, at the age of eight, though, though Tom, she did sing the, Sp- the Star Spangled Banner at uh, a Florida Panthers, which is an NHL team at their home game um, against the Chicago Blackhawks. Is there anything worse than the child singing a national anthem at a sporting event? Is that about as, bo- as bad as it gets? Uh, well, Drake on the sidelines filming it with his camera. Yeah, that's uh, true. Looking at his true. calendar and wondering how many years he's got till yeah, he can, yeah. you know, realistically have a crack at it. But <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. yeah, no, I know. It's it's pretty bad. I think adults only good... performing um, <laughs> yes. national anthems yeah. at any sort of event, yeah. I'd say. So, I yeah. mean, she's got a good voice, but, you know, no one needs to hear eight-year-olds yep. on any yeah. subject except their parents like exactly so that's where she got her start then she did yeah some Nickelodeon shows that we've talked about from that um, and then in 2011 I think it was Tom so a few years before this in 2018 that's when she released her first single so it took her a few years to sort of build when things was up that? 2011 yeah oh, okay. she, so, she must have so still she's been, been around for seven she, years she must have still point. been only been like 16 or she, 17 she or something looks, at the time. for anyone who's not familiar she looks younger than she is she looks about 12 still yeah there, so. I think at this point she's 12 24. Okay, so seven but years yeah, before she that. Looks, yeah, she must she have been looks like 17, she's 19, yeah, yep. at this point. But her first single, um, I knew it was it was really going to build into a successful career, Tom, because that first single, Put Your Hearts Up, um, she interpolates one of my favourite songs of all time, Tom, which is uh, What's Up by the Four Non Blondes. So <laughs> oh, she managed to take that song and rework it. <sighs> Someone sort of, was being you know, to do that. <laughs> sort of, you know, a sort of re-envisioning of what that song should be. And she did it fantastic. And I went, this girl is going places. <laughs> uh, so after that, she did a 1950s doo-wop influenced pop and R&B album, Yours Truly in 2013, God proving boy. once and for all that Megan Trainer really is the poor man's Ariana Grande. And then fast forward a few years and um, look, I think she had her first sort of I don't know whether it was, uh, I don't think it went to number one, certainly not in Australia, maybe internationally, but she teamed up with Australia's premier female rapper in Iggy Azalea oh, yeah. for a breakthrough single, Problem, yes. which made it to number two on the charts it here, did, actually, yeah. and saw her fully embrace the saxophone revival and dubious <laughs> rapping of Iggy Azalea, so yeah. quite enjoyed that. And then she did, um, can you remember Bang Bang? With Jesse J and Nicki Minaj, no, that was a that appeared to be an attempt at sort of the new Lady Marmalade, but oh. unfortunately it was total dog shit. But yeah. look, you know. So anyway, the point is that she'd sort of had before we get to this number one song, she'd certainly um, done yes. a lot of stuff. Yeah. So even though she's only twenty three, sort of at this age, she's been doing music for a long time. Yeah. Doing the acting on the Nickelodeon shows, so and then she's she's really pushed mm. through. She's into been this. in showbiz basically her entire life, and it's had the usual positive psychological effect on her personality <laughs> and self-awareness but yeah that's why i'm talking about the nail bomb thing like i was like you know that for someone who's been you know in this artificial bubble of reality since that age of you know it was nice to see just some basic human feeling absolutely <laughs> even yeah. though you know it still makes her look good blah 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 blah, yeah. blah. but yeah do, do you see the video for this speaking of making things look good oh look i did tom um it's fantastic what i liked about this was uh the music video personally um she appears to be walking upside down in part of the music video at the start yeah. i think she's walking on the roof 
And then she's on a wall in the music video it's, and it's, it's sort of spinning around. It's very pretty. It like, is, yeah. yeah. Um, remember the old days when to film a scene of you walking on the scene, they'd have to build a whole fake room. <laughs> yeah. Then they'd have to flip it upside <laughs> or put the camera upside down and you'd have to yeah. do some, you know, like you look at sort of how they made um, Dancing on the Ceiling, Lionel Richie, and it's like, yeah. oh, we had to spend $8 million on that and it took like three years to do it. And now um, to sort of have you dancing upside down, it would take someone five minutes to do in Final Cut Pro, I dare say. Yeah. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. It's it's like this sort of ultra glossy amber hued Inception mm. inflected dark city style thing with a giant folded city landscape yep. and stuff. I thought to me it worked as a perfect encapsulation of the actual song itself, yep. for good or bad. Like the audio, like audio production, visual effects have progressed to the point now where people have an almost unlimited palette to work from. Like yep. you say, without even going to too much effort or spending too much money. The only limit is the imagination. And so, because of that, ironically, all too often you end up with this sort of thing where legit talent in terms of visualisation or, like Grande's singing voice, are put to work in the service of a beautifully polished surface with absolutely nothing whatsoever underneath it. Yep. Like the video and the song, there's no idea here, there's no rhythm, there's no rhyme, no theme. The video has no more to say than the song, e.g. pretty person, look pretty in camera, voice, sound, nice, you know, yeah. pretty things happen. It's it's like it's like a one of those perfume commercials where it's just like, you know, here's stock footage of Europe and hot <laughs> we paid Scarlett Johansson to put this dress on and stand in front of a camera and say indescribable and that's it. Yep. that's the ad and it, you know it looks expensive and is utterly utterly empty of anything <laughs> you know yeah look this is pretty standard pop fare you are correct it sort of doesn't really do much or say yeah, much her I'm, style I find yeah. a lot of her stuff I think I'm I mean, not I'm not yeah. especially mad at this it's just sort of as, no, as no. what I'd expect I mean the chorus is pretty catchy I think like but, I'd um, say I mean I'll take highly polished and empty over ugly and empty anytime <laughs> I, I seriously I don't <laughs> think terrible. I've seen anything this highly polished but vacuous since like Stock Aitken and Waterman were on the chart. This make Pink looks like Tolstoy, you know, <laughs> like you know the, the level of thematic complexity she's got going on there. But yeah, yeah look but it, like the video, it is on the surface, it is pretty. Like it's not offensive to the eye or the ear. It just yeah, yeah it is sort of just look. Let's get easy on the eye, girl in front of camera, and just she'll just. You, I mean, she doesn't have a bad voice, I think. No, she, no. Sing quite well. The, so the video looks voice, really yeah. cool. If, if it had, for instance, like the song, if it was in service of something that actually meant anything, then it might be really interesting. But yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. Look, Tom, let's address the elephant in the room, though. Uh, the song is called No Tears Left to Cry. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Now, has she ripped off Australia's premier rap star, <laughs> R-A-E to the motherfucking D? on his track, No More Tears to Cry. Um, <laughs> I'm I think not familiar with the R.A.E.D. R.A.E.D., um, <laughs> he is Australia's premier rapper. You may recall the video to the seminal track, um, Australian hip-hop royalty he is, where R.A.E.D., um, for this song, he's at a Melbourne beach where he likes to spend time dolphin watching. Oh, okay. Um, and he relates to people, he's, he talks to some people he's just met on the beach, that he was ditched by his girlfriend at a Christmas barbecue. Okay. And then he raises the valid point, quote, who the hell does that, end quote, 
would you leave someone at a Christmas barbecue? <laughs> so that's how the video starts off. It's very much a Michael Jackson 10-minute music video. Sure. Ray down at the beach talking about sort of getting ditched by his girlfriend and dolphin watching. Um, and then, of course, he gets into the track itself. Mm. Um, so I thought Ariana might have ripped off R-A-N-D, uh, word for word. Yes. No more tears to cry, you know, um, versus, you know, what she has to say. But then I listened to her track and I didn't hear her repeat the lines from the Raid <laughs> song, um, No More t- Tears to Cry, I Got So Many Hoes to See by Five, I'm Gonna Fly, So Let's Fly, which is mm. um, what Raid sings in, in his song, sure. um, No Tears Left to Cry. Perhaps it was telling uh, his then partner about his stable of hoes. Uh, that prompted her to yep. kick him out of the Christmas barbecue. <laughs> no more tears to cry. Got so many holes to see by five. By five, I'm going to fly. That's that's about <laughs> as quality as Raheem plays You've there. told me about him before, and I still can't visualise him. I, I somehow managed to miss the R.E.E.D. story, so uh, I'm going to have to look him up when I get home. Well, not only, Tom, can you watch all of his music videos on YouTube, and all of them are fantastic, um, <laughs> Um, they're very, very good. He's also put a feature-length film up on YouTube, Tom, that he wrote and directed himself, which I think sort of... Um, it's sort of an autobiographical tale about him, how he got into the rap game, etc. I can't recall whether it in, in the film itself it uses what happened in real life where Ray called in a bomb threat to Crown Casino. I can't remember whether that gets involved in there, but anyway. I wonder so, what crime they committed that yeah. warranted such a thing. So it's a very good film. Um, all of his songs are really, really good. It's, um, you know, when when somebody doesn't use auto-tune and you're like, <laughs> maybe they should have experimented with auto-tune. And I don't say that often, Tom. No. I, I never say that. No, so I it's, it's a very, it's not common for me to say this needs auto-tune, but for no. Raid, I would say that this is a man that may benefit from just a little bit of auto-tune. Yes. Um, he could be as big as Drake, but I get auto, auto <laughs> I mean, auto-tune's one thing, but you also need... Um, what am I looking for? Tempo correction so that, <laughs> so that the rhymes actually yes. match the beats that he's laid I, down I as well. I believe I so, said that with Def FX before. Yeah. It's like computers can do a lot of work, but it's pretty hard to fix the problem of not landing the, no, the notes with the words on the same <laughs> Correct. <thing>. You've <laughs> yeah. got to do a fair bit of work for that, actually. Yeah. So, look, if you're a fan of Ariana Grande, um, you might also be a fan of Raid. Um, <laughs> if you're a fan of, of good music or, or Australian or hip-hop. hanging and around on the beach in St. Kilda, yeah, uh, waiting for the next to see dolphin. <laughs> Correct, correct. I'm not sure what inner-city Melbourne beach he was at, but uh, if he sits there to check out dolphins, he's going to be there for some time. But, look, <laughs> let's just chalk this down, Tom, to the No More Tears to Cry and... Um, no Tears Left to Cry, the, the Ariana Grande raid thing. Let's just chalk this down to two creative geniuses thinking a very similar th- song thematically at the same time. So I think we can certainly say that. Mm-hmm. I don't think Ariana has deliberately ripped off Raid. I dare say she may never have heard of Raid or yep. this song, but, you know, and I don't think vice versa, you know, Raid has, has ripped off Ariana Grande. So I think it's just, you know, that's just what I want to say about that. 
Mm. I don't want anyone to, to no. accuse me of suggesting that one's no. ripped off the other. <laughs> you don't want to end up being responsible for Raid calling in a bomb threat uh, <laughs> exactly. at an Ariana Grande concert. Correct. You know, I understand she's <laughs> quite sensitive about that. That, that would be very poor form on Raid's part, I dare say. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, uh, speaking of musical geniuses, uh, this was written by, credited to ILYA or Ilya. Savan Koteka, Max Martin, our old mate, and Ariana Grande. <laughs> Max. Yeah. Four of the biggest musical minds of the year, 2018. Uh, and together they've combined to produce lyrics uh, such as, Right now I'm in a state of mind. I want to be in like all the time. Ain't got no tears left to cry. So I'm picking it up, picking it up. I'm loving, I'm living, I'm picking it up. I'm picking it up, picking it up. I'm loving, I'm living, I'm picking it up, I'm picking it up, picking it up, loving, I'm living, so we turning it up, we turning it up, yeah, we turning it up, ain't got no tears in my body, I ran out, <laughs> but boy, I like it, I like it, I like it, don't matter how, what, where, who tries it, we out here vibing, we vibing, we vibing. I mean, I wasn't expecting a searing treatise on the futile brutality of religious extremism, mm. but I refuse to believe millennials are dumb enough to think this means fucking anything. Yep. I'm just going to have to assume, like the vocals, the production and the video, that these lyrics are just more shiny lipstick and pleasant noises in service of absolutely fuck all. But yeah. Yeah, I think, th I think you'd find the deeper lyric is, I've got so many hoes to see by five, Tom, <laughs> I think. At probably. least he's expressing a human perspective yep. on something, yeah. even if it's dumb as shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think any... Is it, do you reckon anyone's died outside of a raid concert before, Tom? <laughs> probably a meth deal gone bad or something, maybe. I don't know, but yeah, certainly... colourful racing identities that have killed a night spot, possibly. But yeah. Exactly. Um, anything else to say about this one? No, for God's sake. So, Let's move on Ariana, she's, she's got um, 55.8 million listeners on, quite a lot. The, on the Spotify, which doesn't surprise me. She's very popular. She's very big. And this would cost you $25 on the Discord. Oh, okay. So there you go. Sure. Um, fucking hell. This, this year is just... It's going... Oh. From bad to worse. It's now, tough going. Ariana Grande was actually a bit of a bump up in quality compared to the Drake shit, but we're yes. dropping back down again because next it's uh, Post Malone featuring Ty Dollar Sign with Psycho. God damn it. Now, this is worse than that Post Malone song from last week. Oh my god, you wouldn't think it was possible. I mean, we're giving shit to Drake, and then you've got like this is like the white Drake who's like the brown snow. So yep. I don't know what this puts Post Malone. Yeah, because the other one was the same one. Popping pins are popping pins mm -hmm. like a rock star. Yeah. And this one's just like, leaning on the circles, in the nickel. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah it's, it's the instrumental um, is bland as shit. Like, that's that's the one thing. Like, yeah. the instrumental, the background instrumental music part of it itself is, is terrible. There's nothing yes. happening at all. There's nothing, nothing backing it up. There's nothing no. happening at all. And the rapping's trash. Um, yeah. And as a song about sort of, how much cash he's made and all the shit he has, which, oh, wow. you know, it must really? be one of the most played out topics in rap music. Which is exactly Yo. what we were saying about, <laughs> about the last Drake, one. Yeah. So he's and, and yeah. rockstar. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yo, I'm a rapper, made all this money, and now I'm buying all this shit with it and I can't trust anybody. Holy shit. Oh, yeah, Fucking wow, really? Stop the press. We've got some original stuff going on here. Now, Malone told Billboard that the song is about, quote, super feeling yourself. Uh, which describes how he likes to live his life. He mm. likes to do things that might get him into trouble, but Tommy acknowledges that, quote, at the end of the day, it all comes back around. So sometimes he needs to step back. 
So he does what he wants. He doesn't care. He might get into trouble, Jesus but sometimes he has to Christ. step back from that. So, so <laughs> utterly meaningless. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, for instance, this contains another Will Smith style get my wife's name out of your fucking mouth sample of It Was a Good Day by Ice Cube, oh. which is a rap song from 26 years earlier, which manages to be 26 times more listenable, catchy, socially relevant, and legitimately edgy than this still is now. Ice Cube could mumble rap freestyle better than this off the dome if you hit him with a syringe full of ketamine and got yeah. Daffy Duck to beatbox in the background. I mean, fucking hell. Look, as a fellow recent, until recently possibly, fan of the All Gas No Breaks show, Ben, uh, I think you'd agree with me that there's a certain sort of wrist-up, hand-down, finger-flick gesture made by a certain kind of white person which indicates they're about to drop some ice-cold street knowledge on you uh, in the form of dope raps, regardless of <laughs> what context, time of day or night, number of children in the vicinity. <laughs> anyway, uh, Post Malone makes that gesture in the first two seconds of this video, like literally it's just a shot of him with his hand up and he does that. Uh, then demonstrates that some of the dudes getting shit-faced at 11am on Florida traffic islands aren't actually that bad at rapping, uh, at least if we use the standards of Aryan number one acts like Post Malone to compare them to, because I've yeah. seen better things uh, during COVID parties on Miami beaches with, you know, <laughs> half-drunk frat boys dropping beats than this shit, I tell you what. Absolutely. Look, um, it wasn't Chet Hanks, was it, that dropped that rap on the <laughs> orgasm breaks? Probably was. I um, would put Chet Hanks up against Post Malone. I'm not fucking. Oh, kidding. they're pretty pretty close. Yeah. Have you watched um, Andrew Callahan's documentary, This Place Rules, about the January Six riots? I did. Yes. Yeah. There's a few rappers on there. Oh, they <laughs> show up everywhere. Don't they? It doesn't matter where he goes in the country, what he's doing. There's always yeah. some dude that's going to come up and drop I some mean, sweet lines. It, it does, on. in a weird way, it does kind of show where Post Malone comes from because to me growing up in the you know the 90s and stuff the idea of a white rapper still has a sort of commercial novelty value like yeah. the idea of a rap but now you know I mean there are several generations now of young people who've grown up listening to rap from the year dot including white rappers so they yeah. don't think of the idea as a white rapper as being a novelty they just think oh that's one of the career progressions I could take alongside alligator wrangler yes. ref dealer guy who works in 7-Eleven etc um, and you know it, it's just a legitimate thing and then so you know someone like Post Malone is just like you know whereas to me he seems like an obvious twat like to them you know they're like, hey, I could be the next Post Malone. True, yeah. You know, I just need a guy to come along with a camera, and yeah. Yeah, look, um, this song comes with its own merch line, Tom, <laughs> featuring three, three different long sleeve t-shirts. How many do you own of the three? Uh, I don't own any of the three, but I did get his custom line of uh, camo patterned Crocs that he sold. That's a real <laughs> thing. But yeah, good, good camo Crocs. That's mm, awesome. I'm glad mm. he did that. Um, music video. He's driving around in a tank. Yeah, um, or not quite a tank, or is it a tank? It's I think a, it's called an APC, oh, yeah, just yeah. like a little personnel tank. carrier yeah. type thing. Yep. If that sounds dangerously close to being entertaining, don't worry because <laughs> there's no narrative or connection to the lyrical or 
musical content of the no. song in any way. So it's clear they just got to borrow a tank for a day yeah. and pooed all around in the bit of desert. Oh, and at one point, Post Malone shoots a dog with a flamethrower, just in case you wondered what he gets up to on the weekends other than mm. tattooing Rugrats gifts onto his eyelids. <laughs> um, is he driving around that t- tank time because... Uh, I can't trust nobody. That's him saying, "I can't trust nobody with all this jewelry on me." That's the, the oh, one of the lines again, from the song. It doesn't so. suit the thing. I mean, the name Psycho sort of. You might if you, yeah. if you see Psycho. If you hear Psycho and you look at the tank and you can't be bothered reading what the lyrics are because they're not legible in the song. You might think, "Oh, this is about." Hey, I'm a psycho. I'm driving around a tank, but that's not what it's about. The word "psycho" has nothing to do with the lyrical content. Yeah, at all. look, so, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Time magazine named this the worst song of 2018. Now, I'm, I'm not sure about that, but they're not far off. Fuck no, no. It does. It's like the Rolling Stone thing. You're like, I'm not sure if the editors of Time magazine what their qualifications are for rap music. No. But on the other hand, I, I it's very difficult to disagree. Yeah, like yeah, I said, yeah. I think the best review I think I read last time which was uh earl sweatshirt's reaction to seeing white iverson for yep. the first time it was just like i can't remember exactly what he said but it was just like you'll have fun with this one i'm off the fucking <laughs> boat with this shit it's just yeah. like what the fuck was that yeah. <laughs> like yeah no fair play you know 100 percent. i yeah. i agree yeah. now tommy mentioned last week that malone launched his own line of french rosé wine uh oh, yep. number nine mm-hmm. named yep. after his favorite tarot card the nine of swords so a couple of questions for you tom <laughs> how many bottles have you consumed since we discussed it last week did you go out and buy a, a like a carton of the old Maison Number no. Nine, a palace. Mm, Did you have you just been drinking it non-stop? Well, I think as I said last time, I'm a Santana DVX man. That's oh, the only sparkling are. wine that I drink. Correct. As a kid, I used to lie awake and think, "When was Santana going to make a drink?" As yeah, the song says. absolutely. But yeah, what about you? Did you manage to track down any rosé? Um, in your I, I, three long sleeve t shirts I did, yeah, I was wearing the three long sleeves. Um, I found it. Um, it RIP is forty dollars a bottle. So I think that's probably um, above what I'd be willing to pay <laughs> for a Post Malone novelty rosé. Sure. Um, however, I am going to sell one of my uh, Psycho long sleeves on Depop. And if I can get 40 bucks for that, Tom, I will reinvest that into the Post Malone mm. rosé and I'll let you know I mean, what I it is like. To, to give him one tiny bit of credit, like... Given his sort of white trash assumed aesthetic, whether it's affected or not, I think mm. it is, but you know, who knows? Who knows? We don't know. Um, it would have been pretty hypocritical of him to be selling like $200 wrapper vodka or something That's like true. that. Like That's $40 rose, which has probably been marked up from 20 bucks because it's got his <laughs> label on it. $20 rose sounds about right for a yep. Post Malone fan, like drinking that in a car park in your Crocs. Like, yeah, fair yeah. enough, you know, I guess. Oh, exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the problem with uh, when you have any sort of musical artist involved in the alcohol. It is just whatever the price is, you. You, you just halve it, you know, that's about the quality yeah, you can get. Yeah. I remember uh, a friend of mine purchased an ACDC bottle of wine for $20, and uh, she said it was quite literally the worst bottle of wine I've ever drunk in my life. It was about the equivalent of a $5 clean skin, basically. <laughs> yeah. So I just assume <laughs> that I'm going to spend 40 bucks. On a $20 bottle of rosé. Yeah. Um, for Postman Line's name on it. It's so. like buying a bottle of wine at a restaurant, yep. isn't it? You just think, you just assume it's double yep. what it now, costs. Now, Post Malone, Tom, I saw a poster the other day and um, 
The Red Hot Chili Peppers, they're coming oh, yeah, to town. Yes. They're coming to Melbourne He's supporting soon. them. Post well. Malone is support. So he might, they might even be in town now. I'm not sure, but I yeah, believe that coming uh, up soon. He's a, it was probably around now. So uh, a couple of questions. <laughs> um, if you ran into Post Malone, he's, if he's in Melbourne. He's quite, he's mm-hmm. recognisable. He's got the yeah, face tattoos. You know, yeah. you know what he looks like. Um, do you think if you ran into him on the street, you'd say, would you say... Oh, dude, I'd love to try your rosé, but I um, can't find it. Do you have any bottles around? Would you, would you hit him up for the rosé? Would you hit him up for a ticket to the Red Chili Peppers? Would you just ignore mm. him and keep on walking? Would you say, that was sick, you're in a tank in a yeah. psycho? Or would you, what, would you have anything to say to Post Malone? Well, I assume he's a massive pussy that grew up in the suburbs and hasn't touched a gun. Yep. So... And he's permanently stoned and on prescription drugs, so True. I'm guessing he'd be unlikely to hurt me. But he might have giant. He'd have you know, a he'd have a massive guard. entourage. Yeah. yeah, but you know, if I just saw him on his own at the pub, I might say, "Hey, got any bottles of that rosé? You know, do you oh, want to go, for sure. Go out in the car park. You can Dude, roll. You got, got some of you your rosé. Yeah. We'll split a bottle of rosé in the car park. Got, got some of your rosé on sure. you? Yeah, I'd like. Fuck, man, I just I just I can't find it anywhere. Unless know? he's like one of those guys that as soon as they get drunk starts trying to freestyle all. The time, oh, which he gee, looks a lot terrible, like yeah. he might be one of those dudes. Absolutely. So yeah, those guys can go away from the party. What do you think um, is the crossover of the fan base of the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Post Malone? Because <laughs> I saw me, that yeah. as being the sort of uh, as the support. I mean, are there many fifty-year-old dudes into the blandness of the Red Hot Chili Peppers that are also into the blandness of Post Malone? No, and likewise, are there a lot of nineteen-year-olds with face tattoos that their parents deeply regret? Regret that are into the Red Hot Chili Peppers, you know. I mean, there were in 1995, but now, like in 2022, do the Red Hot Chili Peppers have a lot of young fans? Oh, I don't know. I wouldn't have thought so. Seems uh, like this is a weird mix-up. They don't even their musical styles don't bear any resemblance. I mean, no, it's it's a weird, weird. I don't really know really. how this tour came about. I've got no idea what <laughs> sure. happened there. May, do you reckon maybe Post Malone was a big fan of thrashing when he was a kid? <laughs> Um, mm, the, the quality Josh Brolin, Josh Brolin skateboarding, skateboarding movie. movie that does feature the Red Hot Chili Peppers performing a track it does. in the film. So <laughs> uh, perhaps Post Malone loves that and he went, oh, True. oh, he just calls up Flea and says, it's me, Post Malone. You may know me from my rosé and Flea when I do. He I'd love to be. come and play with you. I loved you guys in Thrashing. And then they're like, yeah, let's do this. He could be a Australia. Point Break fan. He could be a Point Break fan. Absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. He could be a fan of um, Back to the Future. <laughs> Flea was in that, wasn't he? <laughs> He's in a lot of stuff. It's weird. It's weird how often he pops up in the background. Wasn't he Marty McFly's like boss or something? Uh, no, Marty McFly's dad, George McFly's boss in number two, I think. Good well Maybe. be. Anyway. Yeah, so, no, look, yeah possibly. Time. Possibly. So, yeah, I don't really know that there's not... Yeah, I wouldn't have thought there'd be a lot of crossover there. So that was a pretty weird tour. But, um, and yeah, sorry, back to the Mason number nine. Um, what's your favourite tarot card? <laughs> Love the magician. Um, <laughs> I like uh, the death card oh, because yeah. it's always very subtly and intelligently used uh, in extremely high budget horror films yeah. uh, where writers are really stretching themselves when they have a scene where someone looks at tarot cards yeah. and there's always 
the third. They always just do three cards, which I don't think is how terrible. I don't know how it works, work. but yeah. Um, and the third card always comes up death, and then there'll be a musical sting, and everyone looks at it. Because, ah. Despite the fact that I'm pretty sure that the death card in tarot doesn't just mean the person who looks at this is going to die soon. Might be um, new, more nuanced than that. But well, <laughs> one would like to think. Otherwise, you'd be just be continually telling people who paid money for a tarot reading that they were going to die. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which seems a bit. Uh, Bad for the sort of return business aspect of your tarot Absolutely. card business. Yeah. Um, you got anything more to say about this track or on the lyrics? Um, not really, no. Uh, lyrically, uh, oh, I was going to just say there was one thing. Uh, this and Rockstar debuted at number two on the Billboard charts, making oh. it only the second rapper ever to achieve that, although I guess that just proves that the Billboard charts has got fuck all to do with rap music, really. Yep. But yeah, even in 2022. Uh, lyrics, uh, this was written by Carl Rosen, Louis Bell, Ty Dolla Sign, and Post Malone. Whatever the fuck that means in this case, don't know. One yep. guy pressed the trap preset button on the Yamaha. One guy pressed record in front of Malone. One guy repacked the bong, I guess. Yep. And uh, Malone uh, freestyled some shit like, damn my AP going psycho. That's a watch. His watches going psycho. Little mama bad like Michael. Can't really trust nobody with all this jewellery on you. My roof looked like a no-show. Got diamonds by the boatload. Come with the Tony Romo for clowns and all the bozos. Mm. Oh, sorry. Did you think this was going to be something other than a dumb, <laughs> fat, white cunt bragging about his blood diamond jewellery for four minutes? Because it's not. <laughs> He's a generous man, though, Ben. You know, uh, sometimes he feels so generous with the sheer quantity of champagne that he has that he'll even give an ugly girl a sip. That's nice. Uh, Yeah, that's pretty generous of him because he's a real catch himself, what with audible chunks of his brain missing from opioid abuse and half a public toilet drawn on his face. (laughs) So, yeah, those lucky, ugly chicks who get an extra sip of free champagne from his rosé collection (laughs) he's just released. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, that's, um, yeah, oh, Jesus. I, don't I mean, know. what the F can you say? Um, Postman has 50.6 million listeners on Spotify, which is insane that's to me. That's bonkers. Um, that's pretty crazy. And this will cost you $38 on the Discogs. 50.6 million listeners. Yep. Uh, Who right, are these people? Sure. I Who don't. the fuck I are these people? I do not know. Um, all right, Tom, up next, 21st of May, it is uh, Childish Gambino. This is America. Fucking hell. Uh, actual good song <laughs> 17 weeks for Drake one week for Childish Gambino this is Australia there you go <laughs> um, now I don't say this often Tom but uh, would this classify as a legitimate cultural phenomenon and not a fake cultural phenomenon like some bullshit on TikTok with someone yeah. falling into a volcano or something But I know one. what you mean it's like there is an occasion when the sort of the, uh, the new school of sort of viral TikTok type videos crosses over with the old fashioned style of like a music video sort of deliberately made to kind of hit the mainstream yep. and they do sort of overlap and you get something like this where it just, it's obviously the video of the year, whether it wins any awards or not. Like it's like the only video from 2018 anyone's going to remember 10 years later yep. off the top of their head is like this sort of thing. And you can, you can like a lot of those good videos like Smack My Bitch Up or something, you can see one still frame of it and you yep. know which video you're looking yeah, at yeah. because it's just so visually kind of distinct that, yeah. Him with no shirt off, bit of a dad gut, 
in a car park with some weird isolated shit happening behind him in the background and him doing some weird dance move that you can any frame of this video you can see you know it's that that absolutely look um i just seem to remember that when this was released a lot of people everywhere i looked people were talking about the video at the very least if not the song like i remember it being like on i think i saw it on like mainstream news channels like everybody is talking about Ah, this video so it sort of (laughs) broke through just this sort of you know yeah like what his what childish gambino's usual audience would be I guess it sort of went outside and obviously it went to number one so a lot of people were streaming this song or listening to it but like you say it was also uh, number one this year on Rage's top 50 videos of the year so that's like their that's like the alternative video charts as well like it's you know so it's mainstream and it's yeah 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 so the video um, was directed by Hiro Murai who um, worked with Glover on Atlanta. So oh, he's a director. Okay. So, yep. Yeah, oh sorry, for those that don't know, Childish Gambino is just the stage name of, of Donald Glover yep. from um at, at well, I know him predominantly from Atlanta. Other people might know him from other stuff community. he's done. Community, yep. yeah. <laughs> I think he was on like Thirty Rock in some episodes. Yeah, he was a writer for um, Thirty Rock at Rick And I think he's done like some Star Wars shit and some other things <laughs> that I don't watch. He's, but, in, uh, he's in a very funny uh, film before anyone knew who he was. Ah, oh, fuck, I can't remember what it's called, and I don't have the internet. But it's about four. They're like. It's like four crime-solving detectives, like the famous four, or like um, the Hardy Boys, but they're like grown up. They're like all 20 now, and they still go around town on their bikes, like solving mysteries and shit. And everyone in the city, everyone in this sort of town sort of kind of tolerates them, and they just sort of let them do their thing, but they all think they're weird, and they don't understand why they act like they're 12 when they're 20. Yeah, it's quite funny. And one of them's because they had roles when they were kids, which they've now grown out of. So one of them's like, he was like the strong guy when he was a kid. And now he's just exactly the same as all the other ones. He's meant to be the tough guy. So he keeps getting beaten up. And then they accidentally uncover some actual horrific murder. Nice. (laughs) Yeah, that's real funny if you get a chance to see it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, check it out. Um... So yeah, yeah, as you said, sort of the that music video, yeah, um, yep. yeah, pretty big. I guess you know the, the song itself is sort of, I guess, pretty political. Have you have you listened to much of his other stuff? No, I must say I I've listened to a few albums, but from what I remember, they were less. The stuff I listened to anyway was less sort of didactic and kind of political than this. It was more. He's a good rapper, but it was much more in the traditional post Malone. I've got money. I've got. A huge dick. Was he backpack rap? <laughs> yeah, a bit. But I mean, like what I mean, the, the subject matter was yeah, fairly, yeah. you know, yeah. it was a bit more traditional. Whereas this is very, I'm angry and I've got something to say. Yeah, look, I mean, this is sort of, you know, obviously police brutality, gun violence, racism, that yeah. sort of stuff all gets captured in this song. There was a lot of that going around in 2018. Yeah, yeah fortunately exactly. we solved all of that and it's all cool. <laughs> For sure. But, you know... Uh, as I mentioned, I know him predominantly from Atlanta, and that show obviously also deals with all of those oh, issues 100%, as well. So, yeah, um, yeah I, you know, I think it's if you haven't watched Atlanta, it's definitely one of the the better shows of the last few years. I would suggest because oh, yeah. it's certainly yeah. um, season one starts off as just sort of a sitcom kind of. You know, hey, there's a dude who's an up and coming rapper. 
Um, Donald Glover plays the manager of that, and then the ups and downs of being a manager of an up and coming rapper yeah, in Atlanta. It's like his then season, yeah, that's yeah. right. Season two gets a bit wild, like it still follows through with that sort of yeah. narrative. It gets a bit wilder with off the cuff random episodes, <laughs> and that sort of has continued on in the last couple of seasons as well. Yeah. It's finished now, I think, four seasons, and it's done. But certainly, very, very much worth watching. I yeah. suggest if you've not seen it. So. It's also very tinged with hip hop. Like, there's a lot of there's a lot of scenes of just people listening to hip hop. There's a lot of hip hop diegetically in the soundtrack. Yep. Then there's also a lot of songs which they've obviously written just custom stuff for the show. Like there's whole fictional rappers in the song in the yep. show who have regular what's his there's a sort of rival of his, that sort of young, really smart <laughs> yeah, guy yeah. who's like a kind of secret, you know, cold ass gangster guy and he's got songs like which had just been I don't even know who they're written by but yep. you know so that yeah and Paperboy he's the yeah the main character I do like uh, I know it's 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 unfashionable to point this out but it it borrows from that or it, it expands on that thing that Louis C.K. sort of set up with his TV show where like that idea where a show can be a sitcom one episode, then it can be a side character thing another episode, then it can be a dramedy another episode, then it can be just a, some weird social thing. Yeah. It, like you can have tonal shifts and it doesn't, you know, you can do whatever you like, you know, which is cool. I'm glad people kept that going. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. You, you have the sort of, um, you're right. There's the narrative episodes of the sort of the thing that, yeah, it keeps the story rolling per se, like the yeah. story arc episodes. Yeah. And then there's the other just outside of that where you can just do whatever <laughs> you want. And yeah, obviously, yeah, Louis C.K., he definitely did that and I know he's still persona non grata although yeah. he's, he's, I think uh, he I did read recently that he'd sold out like at 20,000 seats at oh, the he's Madison tour- Square he's Garden he's touring Australia <laughs> this year he's so he is a really cancelled him and person, Dave Chappelle yeah oh no yeah. he was never really cancelled no, no. all that happened was that that one studio didn't release his fucking yep. movie that's all yeah, you know, yeah he, exactly he was, was cancelled in the traditional white person sense of some people wanted him to apologise, but only if he felt like it. And he, so that was it. That yeah. Was it. <laughs> but yeah, so Atlanta certainly follows in that tradition. Yeah. And, and it also has really it also has the little surreal touches in it yes. that I love from Louis C.K. I love that. Was that episode that ends with like gunfight in a car park, mm. and people screaming and running off, and then one guy drives past in an invisible car. Which was just something that they referenced as a joke way earlier in that episode, like some dumb guy going, I heard he has an invisible car. And you're just like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard yeah. <laughs> in the background. It's people screaming and running off and one guy just sitting there just getting past. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's great. I love shit like that. Oh, yeah. Um, so you might be asking then, Tom, as we've said, Donald Glover, Charles Gambino, what's the origin of the childish Gambino stage name. Uh, well, it turns out that he used a Wu-Tang Clan name generator, <laughs> which is cool. So it's funny, last week when we said Post Malone just used a rap name generator, yeah. I went, that's the wackest thing I've ever heard. But for Donald Glover, for some reason, it seems fun. So Well, the dumb thing with Post Malone is that it was half of it is just his name anyway. Yep. I, what is it? I can't remember his name, and I don't care enough to look it up. Yep. It's either Barry Post or Barry Malone. Yep. So it's just half his Austin Post. I think it is yeah. yeah so it's half his yeah. name whereas Childish Gambino is just 
That that could be an alter ego for, you know, old dirty bastard or something like that. Exactly. So look, I used, um, I think I found the same (laughs) Wu-Tang Clan name generator, Tom, and my name is uh, Unreal Ventura, and Tom, (laughs) you are Fearless Designer. So we'll be going by those names from now on Fearless on the podcast. Designer, hell so yeah. Fearless Designer how, how and Unreal you, Ventura. How do you get them? What do you enter into these things? I just put in my name um, and then I just put in your name. Oh, okay. Just, just first name and last name. Just put it in and then it just pumped out. It's pretty when, weird there given wasn't, that I am a designer. Yeah, there was. And Fearless, obviously. <laughs> exactly. Well. I'm constantly <laughs> punching lions in the face. You know. So there was another rap I think I found a rap name generator and you put it in, you put your first and last name in and then and like something like what's your favourite pet or some bullshit oh, okay. and it spat out like 50 names whereas with the Wu-Tang no, one that I found yep, yeah. just put in my first and last name same with you and it just popped it out and just says here is the name say what you like Unreal about Iggy Azalea I, hers, her name comes from doing the what's your porn star name you know oh, your, okay. your pet first pet and first street mm. that you lived on and like yeah that for, for doing that that's I reckon that's not a terrible name you know yeah, yeah. It's, it's weird enough that it sticks in your head and it's not sort of fake sounding it just sounds like Childish Gambino it sounds kind of odd enough to yep. be real but not not sort of weirdly flattering or anything yeah Sorry, exactly but just by the way the film is mystery team okay. that's what it's called that cool. one yeah 2009 that's alright so the song this actually did win uh, the Grammy Tom for best music video I um, would have thought so yeah which is obvious because yeah, you know so many references in there to obviously things that were happening at the time uh, plus also yeah. just sort of like you know you read a, this was a the sort of Atlanta re- riots and the, yeah yeah know, yeah Portland riots and all this shit was happening as absolutely well. right and just sort of the um, in in the music video his character's sort of lack of you know just shooting people down and sort of the the you know the disregard yeah. that people have for victims and sort of that sort of stuff so yeah so look really good uh, music video also won song of the year record of the year and best rap performance um, this was the first hip-hop song to win the Grammy Award for Song of the Year or Record of the Year. So that was wow. pretty cool. Um, he was offered a chance to perform uh, on the broadcast, yep. but he turned it down and he didn't actually attend the ceremony at all. So oh, he was just like, well, just you know I mean? don't care. So thanks for the awards, but couldn't give a shit really, which is cool. He's so. got actual artistic integrity and, <laughs> yeah. and commercial success, which do not go hand in hand very often. Yeah. I, you know, these days, especially involving people with the male genitalia, you know, you want to, you, you always want to prefix that with currently, because <laughs> yeah. you never know what could happen two weeks down the track. Yeah, he true. might become a Scientologist or, yeah, exactly. you know, become a anti-vaxxer or something, but, um, or get caught having sex with underage girls. But, yeah, no, I mean, he, he really does seem to have sort of maintained that. Yeah, definitely. No, for sure, that creative integrity. And uh, look, this is this is certainly um, the most interesting song of the year thus far, but it's oh, yeah, yes. faint praise because yeah. there hasn't been a lot to work with. So, um, And I think I read recently that he's working on a, uh, a sort of a TV series reboot or reimagining of uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I did hear that mm. too. Yeah. Yeah. So Maybe. hopefully he gets Jolie and Brad Pitt back. Man, it would so. be rad. It would be really cool. He did that. He did a low budget film with Rihanna too. Remember that set mm. on somewhere near Battleship. Where she... No, wasn't that. Wasn't that at all? Yeah. Yeah. Set on that island or whatever. And that was, was another music. Independence yep. Day too. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, no. <laughs> 
Now, it would be really cool if he became a sort of um, uh, Jordan Peele kind of yeah, character, like a director who did sort of... Because, I mean, he obviously loves the mainstream. You know, he's, he's working on sitcoms, he's doing stuff yep. like that. But he, he's, you know, he's a sort of step above, you know, your average kind of person. If, if you could do, like, socially conscious but entertaining movies, like if you could make Mr. and Mrs. Smith into something that actually had something to say, yeah, of course. you'd get hella rich, you know, yeah, for definitely. one thing. Yeah, I mean, it's so easy to have a to get a sitcom and then have one series and it's really popular. People go, I like that, and then just do, well, let's just do paint by fucking numbers bullshit where we yeah. just follow through the same shit every series and oh and now he's a bigger rapper and oh cool but they, he obviously didn't do that wanted to do something different so that's super cool yeah um, what uh, lyrical highlights or any other highlights for this or um, I didn't look into these as much as I could have uh, but yeah it's a, it's a kind of an odd song it's sort of got two modes which is conscious yep. it's sort of got a happy sort of vaguely kind of uh, I think it's supposed to be a sort of ironically sort of uplifting sort of, yeah sort of kind of spiritual choir yeah, type thing yeah, chorus, yeah. yeah gospel-y sounding yep, negro correct. gospel sort of sounding thing and then it switches to sort of uh, the, a pretty the dark harder, sort of beat I guess yeah sort of, yep, yep. so and the video kind of yeah so in the dark bits it switches to this is America don't catch you sleeping now look what I'm whipping now this is America and so forth and then yeah Guns in my area, I got the strap, I got to carry him. Yeah, that, that sort of thing. But then yeah. it'll go back to um, him saying, oh, I've got, you know, everything's good. I've got Gucci, I've got, you know. Yeah. I mean, you could argue that this is not a million miles away from your Post Malone in the sense of, like, bragging about that stuff. But the fact that it has something else to say, that there's yeah. a, you know, there's a subtextual element, there's juxtaposition of different things, and that he's kind of undercutting you know, this style of music with, you know, from both angles makes yeah. it, gives it something else. Like the video, it's not a million miles away from something that somebody, you know, in the charts might do, but it just has so much <laughs> going on. Like, Correct. Drake would not machine gun a gospel choir in his video. No, <laughs> you he, know? No. he also would not take off his shirt and dance around on top of a car with a giant beard in a weird way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, he wouldn't do that. Yeah. No, for sure. It's strange. Absolutely. Um, anything else to say about this one? No, no. I think you covered that, Brian. Um, 20 million listeners on Spotify for Childish Gambino. Yeah. So that's a lot. And um, only physical release was a 7-inch oh, single. Oh, okay. Wow. And uh, the cheapest one on Discogs is $131. So Ooh, yeah. there you go. Good times. Like uh, that, it's uh, highly sought after, like, you know, the solo project with the Veronica's, you know. <laughs> correct, correct. Yeah. All right, Tom, up next for nine, eight, 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 eight weeks. weeks. Um, it's five seconds of summer. They're back. Young blood. Mm. Woof. Well, now, yeah. I'm not sure about this one, Tom. You know that I, you know I'm a punk rock lover. Sure. You know that. <laughs> um, I've always loved the biggest punk acts of all time, um, whether that's the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, Bowling for Soup, mm. Less Than Jake, uh, or in more thing. recent times, Sum 41, you know, Good Charlotte, these guys, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, I love the uh, She's So Perfect standing there in the American Parallel Underwear mm. from a few years ago, you know, mm. I remember that. And now it appears that they've ditched their punk sound and some have called them, you know, had called them the new Sex Pistols. I know people were saying that about them. That's what they were. But they've sort of replaced that sort of punk Sex Pistols sound with, you know, what, what's sort of like a pop rock, new wave, whatever well, this might be. Yeah. And all, all I'm going to say, Tom, is that it's hard to show up 
to a real big fish reunion show these days with a five seconds of summer tattoo. That's all I'm saying. They've That's sold true. out. <laughs> They've sold so out. They used to be punk as fuck, and now they're doing this. Well, look, I feel a little bit dumb because I think I said in their previous, when we were talking about the... Um, American Apparel um, Was it I Am So Down? Yeah. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah that, that they were suggesting that they were a flash in the pan, you know, that this yeah. kind of pop punk was incredibly played out. But they went on to be massive. Oh, They're yeah. Absolutely friggin' huge. We look stupid now, don't we? Well, we certainly look poor compared to them because yeah. they're about... 25 years younger than me and have more money than I'll ever see in my entire life. But, um, yeah, so, you know, they're doing something right. But, yeah, I I think uh, listening, you know, to what they were talking about, uh, this was an attempt by the youngsters to move into a more, consciously move into a more new wave direction, Mm. which might explain why the chorus is actually kind of bouncy and catchy in my mind and the vocals are a touch more interesting than the usual post-busted fake Kelly bullshit. Yeah. I mean, how do you think it had succeeded at achieving their goal of being new wave, you know? Do you think it was more or less successful than the band Made in Japan from the 1980 horror masterpiece New Year's Evil, <laughs> which is set in a two-hour-long movie, most of which is set at a new wave uh, uh, New Year's Eve dance oh, party yeah, yeah, on live yeah. TV but has clearly been filmed by someone who has no idea what new, what new wave music looks yep. or sounds like uh, yeah so there were some parallels there oh look Tom um, this is new wave <laughs> if someone was to say to me what is new wave I would point <laughs> to this song first mm. and foremost I mm. think mm. is it new romantics <laughs> Could not, be. Not quite. No. But maybe that'll be their next step. Could be. They seem to be following a musical direction from about 40 years ago. They've started <laughs> off in so. punk. Now they're yep. moving to New Wave. New so wave, I yep. guess New Romantic is the next album. It, may, it yeah. makes absolute sense that they've gone I look forward to see from... them with gold braided lapels, uh, face makeup, yep. you know, one exactly. feathered earring, some highly questionable Native American shit going on in For the sure. headwear area. So if they go through that in about... 10 years time they should, they'll probably be doing uh, rap metal then I assume once we go through the sort of straight from punk into post-punk new wave sort of I guess into synthy stuff then gr- they'll be doing grunge yep. and then after that they'll be doing post-grunge then they'll be doing rap metal new metal mm-hmm. so I think that they're going to follow that trajectory yeah. because by that time rap new metal should be on its third comeback exactly right so, say so yeah they yeah. should be just in time for the Woodstock 2099 yep. uh, gig that... and then they can add a brass section <laughs> and, and get on the, that real big fish train that I was talking about before for the, this 26th Scar yeah, revival exactly exactly uh, well listen according to the lads uh, mm. Michael uh, we said we think Youngblood should be the first single let's put it as a track that if you pre-order the record you get it then Youngblood starts kind of going a little crazy on streaming. There's a couple of I told you so's going around and we get a phone call from our label in Australia and they're basically telling us that they want to go with that as the single in Australia rather than What You Back, which is the first single in America. Mm. So we thought, okay, let's try it. And they start going with Youngblood and then this song really starts to seep into the music scene down in Australia, which ends up evolving outwards to the rest of the world as well. Uh, until... the given everyone else in the world had no option but to go with it, like in terms of publishing terms. Mm. Uh, Ashton said, this is a big moment for Aussie music too, because now records are starting to break from Australia, which they never do. 
they always are expected to get to the US first and try to break the record from the US, but now our song is breaking out from Australia. And Callum added, I remember we'd be like, we love Youngblood, but we think it's super forward thinking for this band and we want to release it first. And our record label guy said to Ash that live drums will never be played on radio. He was like, live drums, man, you got to ditch the live drums. But they were wrong, Ben, and 5SOS became your personal favourite song of the year, like you told me off mic just earlier, because of those live drums. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought there were two small things to note there. Um, one, Australian record companies kicking goals as usual, encouraging acts to use shitty fake drum sounds, which instantly date a song exactly like they did in the 80s and yep. the aughts. And also the more interesting note that, with that sort of democracy of Spotify and streaming and stuff, whatever you might think of the downsides, e.g. Drake occupying nine spots on the top ten every time he releases a fucking album, there are some bright spots, e.g. that music can be released from anywhere and take off. You know, it is a lot more democratic now in terms of the promo budget or exposure of the country in question. You know, assuming an army of 13-year-old girls already know your name at least, you know. That's yeah. why I upload five TikTok dances every week, Ben, just to keep the tweens on the hook. Oh, yeah, absolutely right. Absolutely. Um, live drums on the radio, Tom. Has it ever happened before? Obviously, Well, clearly not in the mind of whoever <laughs> fuck that record executive was. Yeah. You never hear live drums on the radio. That's <laughs> the most insane thing I've ever heard in my life. But, you know, that's what I expect from people working within the music industry. They seem to have mm. absolutely no knowledge of yes. the music industry. Yes, so, particularly. Yeah. yeah. Um, did you watch the music video, Tom? I did, yeah. Mm. What did you think? Well, filmed in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sort of what we, we start off with an elderly couple and, yep. you know, they're getting towards the end of their life. And then they sort of, um, I guess, flashback and relive their, their mm. lives, I guess, per se. They sort of... Reminiscent. They take take the green pill, I believe. <laughs> so, uh, not quite red pill, Bill, but they're doing that. And that enables them to sort of relive their youth. Yes. Um, where they sort of travel back to like a 50s and we get to see them involved in the Japanese rockabilly culture. Yes. They've got the leather jackets, they've got the boots on, they're, they're hanging out in rockabilly mm. clubs, they're dancing around. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, Had I nothing mean, to do with the song at no, all. doesn't really suit no. it. No. But, I mean, you lived in Tokyo for some time, Ben. Mm. What can you tell me about these bouffant-haired youngsters? Because there are still a big, you know, there's still rockabilly clubs and stuff there, you know. I mean, yeah. they do love a club in Japan. Well, they do. They love Look, um, a tribe. So, what I will say is that the clip was um, the director, Frank Boren. Uh, he was inspired by a trip uh, he took to Japan where he went to Yoyogi Park. Oh, okay. Um, and came across a huge group of Japanese rockabilly guys and girls. Oh. And this is what he had to say. Every Sunday, they're dressed in their full rockabilly gear, doing their hair out in public, taping up decades-old boots, dancing the day away to 50s music, blasting on their boombox. Flash forward 10 years later, Five Sauce was releasing Youngblood. The band and I were collaborating. The band were really into the idea of highlighting the Rockabilly crew. We hung out with them for a couple of days. They took us around Tokyo, gave us a peek into their world, which really lent itself into the spirit of the song and ultimately became the video. So that's what the director had to say. I used to live in uh, Harajuku, Tom, which is directly next to Yoyogi Ah. Park. So I would often walk through Yoyogi Park and every Sunday... The rockabilly people are there 
doing their dances, whatever, <laughs> dancing around in their old clothes, and a bunch of tourists come and look at it and go, oh, look at these people dressed in 50s rockabilly <laughs> clothes doing sure. that thing. So, yeah, so it does exist <laughs> probably to this very day. I wouldn't be surprised. So when they went to do the music video, I'm sure they just showed up and asked some people, sure. actors in Japan, can you dress up in some rockabilly clothes, go to your yogi park and do some dancing? Yeah. So there you go. I mean, one could say, hey, maybe you should have saved that idea for a song that sounds even vaguely like the kind of thing they might have been listening to and possibly done something for this video a bit more influenced by, I don't know, new wave music, which is supposedly trying to be like, say, I don't know, a clip from the 1980 horror classic New Year's Evil. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, you know, it's not, it's not not entertaining. No, no, no. I found myself wondering how long those guys have been doing that for. Like, have they actually been doing that since the 50s? I doubt it, no. more, more recent invention? Yeah, I mean, maybe the torch gets passed on per se. Like a lot of the people you would see there, you know, they might be 40-year-old dudes or something yeah. like, that are still doing it. So you might be like, they might have been doing this for 20 <laughs> years but you know they weren't they wouldn't have been alive in the 50s when, so. when did the sort of rockabilly revival start I mean it was big in Freer like 15-20 years ago you would see a lot of those I reckon in around. Japan it's just never died it's like since it, what the 80s or something probably maybe? it's probably yeah. just kept on going but it's just a very small group of people probably <laughs> that just keep the flag going well not a lot of people can be bothered putting that much effort yeah. into their hair I don't yeah. think it's you know, you know how you the level of height they can achieve with those guys is quite impressive yeah. You know how there's like dog shit hair metal bands from the 80s that no one cared about anywhere in the world after about <laughs> 1987, yet you'll see that they yeah. still play eight shows a year in Japan. Yep. That's sort of uh, what happens. I think in Japan, there's a certain niche, there's, there's a lot of niche little subcultures, mm. I guess, and there's people that are just like, they'll, they'll live for something forever. So the fact that, you know, there's a terrible, well, I won't say terrible, but let's say, for example, when we talked about Mr. Big <laughs> sure. all those yeah. episodes ago, like there, what was it? Something like you'd look at them and they, they basically just play only in Japan yeah. and a couple of, <laughs> and it's because their core group of fans from back in the day still want them to come to Japan a couple yeah. of times a year and they get to play there. And I assume it's the same with the rockabilly thing. There are probably dudes that were super into it in some period of time. Mm. They've just kept that going. It's not a large group of people, but yeah, there'd be enough. <laughs> rockabilly clubs around and five seconds of summer have co-opted that Tom they sure into have. their young blood music <laughs> video uh, so look I don't know I guess it shines a light on a subculture that some people may be unfamiliar sure. with but oh, yeah. anyway uh, what? how are they doing these days Five Sauce, oh Tom, mm. they're doing super well, they've got 19.7 million listeners on oh, Spotify that's only slightly yep. less than that's a lot. That's a lot. And this will cost you $30 on Discogs. Now, what about the lyrics? Um, yeah. Song written by band? Do they? Instrument played with by human being? I, <laughs> I, sorry, I don't know why I get like this. There's there's plenty of good electronic music out there, truly. I don't I'm not one of those people who thinks that only mm. has to be it's just that, you know, we're halfway through twenty eighteen and I haven't heard any yet. It's just, yeah. this was like a breath of fresh air, even though I'll never consciously listen to it again <laughs> in my life. But yeah. Um, speaking of, uh, lyrics such as, uh, lately our conversations end like it's the last goodbye. Then one of us gets too drunk and calls about a hundred times. So who have you been calling baby? Nobody could take my place. 
when you're looking at those strangers, hope to God you see my face. Mm. Again, like nothing mind-blowing, but somehow made it through a whole verse without talking about their watch collection, yep. how many prostitutes are in their stable, dropping the N-word 17 times, bragging about their Xanax addiction or how they came up rough in the middle-class suburbs of Canada. Yep. So, you know, props for that. And they do sound vaguely new wave. A lot of new wave had that kind of, had a bit of that sort of punk aggression, yep. but without the tearing down society thing there's a bit exactly. of that sort of pushy kind of thing yeah I thought yeah I, I didn't hate this song you know Look, I'll never listen to it again to but be it, honest, it wasn't awful it's one of the it's one of the top ones of the year yeah due to this the bar is so effing <laughs> low but yeah I, I'd put it at like my third best of the year I think so. I think this song comes on in a shop and I'm, I'm not like going oh for Fuck's sake. No, no. Like for, for one thing, I wouldn't, uh, if I didn't know who it was, I wouldn't automatically assume it was some pop punk cash in because it doesn't no. sound. No, they've, like cer- that. they've certainly got rid of that. They've, that they've pop developed punk a little so. bit anyway, yeah. Indeed, indeed. All mm. right, up next. Yeah, uh, who else is developing their sound, Ben? Oh, it's Drake. He's back, Tom, <laughs> within my feelings. Now, four, four more cunting weeks. The Australian public, have they lost their collective mind? <sighs> Three Drake songs I in know. a year. This harks back to the days of multiple Black Eyed Peas. I know. Songs I, I made the one, exact same which note. Were all what the equally hell is shit. wrong with Australia? What Jesus? This is fucking garbage oh as well. Now, did you watch the music video for this one, Tom? Um, I did. Yes. Now, remind me. He's gone full Michael Jackson with this, where yep, he's got a storyline he music video before the song kicks in. He's got now, something before the song <laughs> kicks in. Yeah, <laughs> three minutes of something, and then another three minutes at the end. Yes. The problem is, the two minutes before the song kicks in is some of the most boring shit yep. imaginable. Yep. It's Drake walking up to a house and like you know throwing a rock at the window or mm-hmm. something. A chick sticks her head out, and he's like... Yeah, baby, you know, I miss you or I yep. want you or something. Something fucking mind-numbingly boring. Mm. There's, it's not interesting dialogue. It's no. not creative. It's not exciting. Nothing happens. And then the song starts and it's just like, why in the oh, living fuck? First of you, all, her, her mum sticks the, her yeah, head out and uh, complains about him. The mum played by uh, Camille Huxtable from yes. The Cosby Show yeah. uh, doing some Cosby Show level acting which yeah. uh, suits Drake's sort of Degrassi junior <laughs> yeah, high level acting and as you say relates to nothing in the song and isn't funny. It's, yeah. it's weird. It's, all, it's, it's like it's garbage. meant to be kind of endearing and sort of make him seem like a real guy but it's just yeah it's like a joke free sitcom scene it, yeah it, it was shit it. I don't know why he'd put it in front of there um, also and, how old is Drake supposed to be what the fuck know. is he doing flicking rocks at the chick's window do you think one of the members of Stranger Things was in there or something <laughs> what's going on <laughs> yeah exactly um, he probably does that quite frequently it's just they had to age up mm, the chick in the yeah, window I'd say right. compared to what happens in real life um, and also you watch Drake there and just go oh fuck this guy used to be an actor because the delivery of the lines is so poor that it's just sort of him yeah. going hey what's up that's what's what I mean it, it is really it's set at like child actor level it's like he's never moved past there even the even Camille Huxtable's fucking acting him off the scene oh and by the way too if you're trying to seem endearing and kind of you know boyish maybe don't stand in front of your fucking Escalade which is like the universal car of utter cock knockers yep. next to the Humvee and the BMW M3 like yep. yeah 
It was a waste of time that pre-credit yeah. scene, an and then there's more time. at the end, which also has no, it has nothing to do with the start and mm. has nothing to do with the middle part. In between is a bunch of people doing the shiggy, yep. I guess, which looks a bit like that dance Aphex Twin does in Window Liquor, yeah, except yeah. not as good. Interspersed with half-naked women waving their vaginas back and forth, a bit like that bit in Window Liquor, except not as good. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the bit at the end of um, the video was actually. Uh, Atlanta, a reference from Atlanta. Remember in season two when they went to yeah, Drake's yes. house. So I believe, but it, it has it, nothing it, to do with it, the song. It, yeah, it's called. A, it was quality, It was listed as a sample of yeah because yeah, they sort of sampled that. And there's an episode about Drake, a party at Drake's house in an episode of Atlanta. Yeah. But Drake does not appear in no, that, no, or doesn't. nor does his music. Like it just exactly. happens to take yeah. place at his. So head. I think they reference Drake at the end of the video references something that happened in yeah. the Atlanta thing. Yeah. But and in the music video as well. But yeah, at the at the the point is that there's a bit of a pre part and post part to the song, both completely unnecessary. Mm. And they terrible. don't match. They, no, they, they, they don't have nothing the to do with The start and the end have nothing to do and with And the it. song's terrible yeah. as well. Uh, that 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 um, the Atlanta episode revolved around Drake and was aptly titled Champagne Puppy, his Instagram username and producer alter ego, and featured Drake's total absence in the episode, mm. all of which takes place at what's meant to be his house, which I'm choosing to believe was a sort of metaphorical reaction to the utter vacuousness of mainstream hip-hop by Donald Glover, although it could have just been a joke about worshipping rich people who don't give a fuck about you yep. enough to even show up at their own fucking party. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, no, everyone had... Because he's got, like, some expensive marble, so everyone at the party has to take their shoes off, so they're all wearing, like, weird little paper bags around yeah, their feet. That's right. Like, all these women who spent five hours putting on makeup because they thought they might get a chance to hook up with Drake, and now they're walking around with paper bags. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Look, um, In My Feelings uh, is an upbeat New Orleans bounce-influenced love letter to Kiki, KB, and the members of City Girls, mm. a.k.a. JT, not that one, and Young Miami, not that one. Uh, the track is produced by 40 Trap Money Benny and Black Namildi. Uh, Black Namildi had a hand at producing another track on... Uh, Scorpion, nice for what, which has similar New Orleans bounce influences. So again, Drake is just sort of shifting his style to something else, which you know seems to be currently, and he's on the money again because he's you know it's yep. it's, it's, it's another hit. But yeah, it's not good. But no, yeah. it's uh, not good. No, it's it's heavily based on vocal samples again, mm -hmm. which is a staple of New Orleans bounce. Conveniently, it's also a staple of all of Drake's lazy shit. <laughs> Uh, one included sample is Magnolia Shorty Smoking Gun and City Girls vocals are written to sound similar to that track, which is what I was talking about before. So rather than pay for the actual sample, I've just paid for the interpolated rights and then put new stuff over it. Also sampled is Lil Wayne's Lollipop as well. So, yeah. Good. Um, yeah, days following the album's release, In My Feelings garnered widespread media attention due to a viral video of comedian and Instagram personality Shiggy, whoever the fuck that is, dancing to the song's hook. The video evolved into the hashtag Do The Shiggy Challenge, which makes me want to punch a millennial in the face, just anyone that's walking past, yeah. uh, where people would try to replicate Shiggy's original video. Uh, the challenge contributed to In My Feelings topping the Billboard Hot 100. Like that. Uh, much like the, um, what was the one we had before? The friggin', 
the other dance that also looks like someone with the DTs tipping over. What was it fucking called? The one by Bauer. Um, uh, <laughs> what was that? What was the dance? It was another YouTube dance trend that had nothing to do with the actual oh, the Harlem song. Shake. The Harlem Shake, yes. Yeah. So, you know, once again, Drake being super original but yeah how's how did this song go in terms of cash terms um nothing on discogs nothing on discogs and yeah drake's still got probably added a couple more million people to his views (laughs) since we last mentioned (laughs) him did you have anything else to say about this no this sucks almost Um, impossible to think of anything interesting to say i don't i just don't want to talk about drake anymore no um, i know yeah i I hear you uh lyrically um, two bad bitches and we kissin' in the wraith. That's an expensive car. Kissin', kissin' in the wraith. Kiss, kissin' in the wraith. I need that black card and the code to the safe. That's a credit card that fucking um, American Express put out. Code to the safe, code, code to the safe, safe. I showed him how that neck work. Fuck that Netflix and chill. What's your net, net, net worth? So after briefly flirting with the concept of women being human beings, Drake yep. returns to what he does best, publishing songs, reiterating that they're all gold-digging skanks who exist to perform blowjobs on wealthy men in exchange for tacky status tokens like credit cards and shiny cars. I'm starting to think the real blowjob master is Drake, and he's found yeah. one very influential record executive with a taste for ex degrassi man <laughs> and he's just yeah. working that shaft like, you know, nobody's business because I can't think of a lot of other explanations for how this keeps happening. Yeah, do you think, is it possible that um, Spotify just isn't able to take into account ironic listens? <laughs> People I, that have just went, the fuck, uh, what, have you heard that new Drake show, song? It's straight garbage, oh, I better listen to it. It's and funny. then you tell your friend and everyone goes, listen to this new yeah. Drake, it's fucking trash. Yeah. Then it's racked up a billion views and it's gone to number one and it's like going, oh, fuck. I know what you mean. I was, I was reading a thing just recently. It's funny, like last week, literally, yeah. and they were just talking about a subject we've covered a lot, which mm. is was just people saying from various parts of the music industry, just saying, look, the charts just don't really work the way they did before. No. Like they do whatever you, like whether you believe in them or not, or you think charts themselves are stupid or not, they just aren't, they don't measure the music the way that they used no. to. So comparing now to then, you're comparing apples and oranges. And some people were saying, hey, we should have a new chart. Some people would say we should get rid of charts because it was fucking stupid in the first place. Yep. Some, you know, like, yeah, but whatever you think, it's just, that, yeah. People don't listen to music the same way they they do psychologically they don't listen to music the same way they do literally and they don't you know you know we they don't measure stuff the way they did before in terms of how many ways they listen to a song you know like the number of times you listen to a cd when you've only got 20 cds is obviously going to be different to the number of times you listen to a song when you have infinity music yeah you know yeah look I would I would never go out and buy a CD single of a song that I thought was dog shit no but I might stream a song that I think is dog shit (laughs) several times just to listen to it and go fucking hell that really is bad by the same token I listened to many songs that were dog shit because they were on albums that I liked and I didn't have that many albums and I would listen to the same album over and over (laughs) again and occasionally songs that I thought were dog shit would actually turn out to be one of my favourites years later but I would not have done that because with now because you I wouldn't skip really those listen ones. to the same song. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
All right, what do we got next? Let's move Ooh, on. Up next, we've got um, Dean Lewis, Be All Right, for five weeks. Five weeks, yeah. Look, I know you love a piano ballad, Ben. Yeah, look, <laughs> Australian singer-songwriter Dean Lewis with a song about his girlfriend getting deep-dicked mm. by some other dude or yep. dudes, we don't know. And, and the aftermath on the back, of going. that deep-dicking by his girlfriend is uh, the inevitable breakup. Yeah. So that's what this song is about. So that's um, an original topic for pop music, sure. which is fantastic. <laughs> now, um, Dean Lewis, as I mentioned, he is Australian. Um, he had a song a few years before this, uh, I think 2016, called Waves or something, which was got a little bit of traction okay. um, in the US. Tom, it was used in a few TV series, Magnum P.I., they must have oh, remade that, did, apparently. Yeah. Um, Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> yeah. uh, suits. So this song was played in that. Maybe <laughs> Megan Markle getting finger blasted <laughs> on a coffee table in Suits while this was playing in the background, perhaps. I'm not sure. Does that happen in Suits? Maybe I, I don't, don't know. I don't know. I, I assume it Sounds does. Like so. The kind of thing so anyway, so that was sort of what he... That was his first single, Ways Back Then. Fast forward a couple of years ago and he's dropped this one. So Dean mentioned that after he broke up with a girlfriend, mm-hmm. um, he went to his brother's house. His brother handed him a glass of whiskey and said... It's over, put the phone away, it will be all right. Yeah. Um, which is the chorus of this song. So technically, you'd have to say his brother wrote it. <laughs> I, would, I would say not him, he's just song True, what his brother yeah. said. But then on the other hand, the song goes over territory that has literally been covered tens of thousands of times before oh, in the blandest way possible. Yep. So technically, you'd say that nobody actually wrote this as the ideas, both lyrically and musically, are just out there in the ether. Yes. Even, just existing. Even the idea of doing a song like this in a sort of, you know, intentionally kind of, not mawkish, but intentionally sort of mundane way in yep. order to try and infuse, like you say, such a hackneyed old premise with something new. He says and, mate in it too. Yeah, to make it sound that's Australian. what I mean. Yeah. And, and to, like even that idea was done by like, years ago by the streets with like dry your eyes, mate, oh, and yeah. don't mug yourself, which you're... A similar thing, like someone sort of talking about the end of a relationship in a kind of as straightforward and kind of uh, conversational way as possible in order to try and evince a bit more emotional stuff. But yeah, yeah. I mean, on the other hand, he is trying to express an actual emotion and he can sing a bit. Oh, yeah. So by the standards of 2018, I'm calling this an unimpeachable masterpiece on the same level as The Last Supper or The Elgin Marvels. <laughs> Correct. I might be overreacting a no. bit. Let's see how the year progresses. Look, yeah. um, I, I saw that he's doing a tour soon, Tom. Um, okay. Grand Australia. He's playing the Margaret Court Arena right here in Melbourne, mm. um, which holds 7,500 people. And ticket allocations are exhausted, i.e. sold out, which proves my theory that people like boring shit. So. That's true. I just hope that some of those people aren't confusing him with uh, Dean Lucan, the Australian <laughs> gold medal weightlifter from the 1984 Olympics. Yeah, know, exactly. You know, 7,000 of those people are going to be quite disappointed sure. when he fails to lift, you know. Yeah. 
20 kg above or, the head in each hand. Or even Carl Lewis. Um, they mm, might spot come up and think the they're going to see a man running very quickly yes. on the track. <laughs> and then they're going to be like, no, they haven't. So definitely. Or Parker Lewis, um, <laughs> who can't lose, obviously. He can't lose. Uh, so, yeah, I would rather see Parker Lewis than Dean Lewis, but yeah, that's probably just me. Absolutely. Um, I was going to say Dean Jones, but then I think he's, he's dead. So I believe, unfortunately. The ghost of Dean. Jones at Margaret Court Arena um, singing Be Alright. What about the lyrics, Tom? They must be very good. Um, Sure. Written by Dean Lewis, not Dean Lucan or Carl Lewis, uh, and John Hume, who's also worked with, uh, he's done some other work with Dean Lewis, but also worked with luminaries such as Guy Sebastian, Kyle Lionheart, Callum Scott, Jai Waitford, J.P. Cooper, Spencer Ludwig, Darren Chris. L. King, Kira Puru, Mr. Hudson, Nadine Coyle, Francisco Martin, Busby Maru, Diddery, Little C, Haywood, Lonely Disco, Ivy Adara, and Jake Shears on his eternal classic, Big Bushy Moustache. All the big names. Uh, yeah, all the big names. Yeah. Uh, John and Dean wrote a simple story of betrayal and heartbreak, which is basically the musical equivalent of that guy who says, there's plenty more fish in the sea, you'll meet someone new and just be yourself, e.g. Yep. a useless skit who needs to be pushed off a jetty. Yeah. Uh, I see him coming from a mile away, same thing that they all say, I want a big bushy moustache and a silky carpet with drapes to match. Oh, sorry, those are the lyrics from Big Bushy uh-huh. Moustache. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, and then you say to me, you made a bit dumb mistake, you start to tremble and your voice begins to break. You say the cigarettes on the counter weren't your friends, they were my mates, and I feel the colour draining from my face. And my friend said, I know you love her, but it's over, mate. It doesn't matter, put the phone away. It's never easy to walk away, let her go, it'll be all right. Mm. Now, I'm assuming that this guy who's saying this isn't the same friend as the one who banged his girlfriend and left his cigarettes on the table. Because if it is, mm. then we can only assume that Dean Lewis has just realised he's fully into cucking and should spend less time writing songs and more time down at Bunnings buying Google cameras and paintings with the eye holes cut out, I'm thinking. Plot twist, Tom. I didn't see that. That would be more interesting than this actual song, I think, if that was the case. Exactly, exactly. Look, I was bored by this. This sucks. It's Um, boring, yeah. So, look, none for sale at the moment on Discogs. The Mm -hmm. last one did sell for $43, so people were feeling this. Uh, Dean Lewis has 23 million listeners on Spotify, which is insane. That's more more than Childish Gambino in five seconds of summer. That's crazy. 23 million, and he's got got one hit that sucks, and another song that was... Kind of, the other that's, one waves was better than this. Um, I will tell you that. Fuck. He no, must have an audience know. somewhere or something because yeah. that Australia doesn't have the numbers to make up that. He must have an audience. Must, in people must be country. Love, I reckon yeah. it's it's off the back of everyone watching Grey's Anatomy. Tom, <laughs> everyone watching. I reckon that Magnum PI reboot. Mm, that Magnum mm. PI reboot, I think, is probably very popular. People watching sure. that and going, "Oh, I really enjoy this guy." So it's sure. um, it's it's he's got Magnum PI. To Some of them were so inspired that they left the TV on and then ended up watching the next episode of the Hawaii Five O reboot, which led naturally into the Lethal Weapon TV show reboot. <laughs> Definitely. You know, which... And the Knight Rider reboot. Mm, so, mm. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, don't have anything more to say about no, Dean Lewis. Um, don't know what he's doing now, but Let's he's playing on. Margaret Court Arena soon. Um, don't <laughs> don't try and get a ticket because they're sold out. Yes. So unfortunately. Yep. All right, up next is um, George Ezra with Shotgun. Tom, five weeks. Five weeks. I'll be riding shotgun. This is a kind of song that I can see some dude playing um, an acoustic cover set yep. at a suburban exactly. pub yep. on a Sunday, sandwich between a Jack Johnson song and something from Pearl Jam to a group yeah. of people that do know what do not want or need a dude to be playing acoustic covers yeah. in the beer garden while they eat a $28 chicken parma extremely hungover from the night before. <laughs> no. This is sort of the vibe I'm getting off this song. Couldn't agree more. It yep. sounds to me like a British guy who talks about backpacking too much uh, which might explain why this was also a number one hit in the UK and Ireland, mm. where they just can't get enough of 25-year-olds on a work travel visa with a lot of Jack Johnson in their iPhones and an easygoing approach to venereal diseases. Correct, correct. You know, they, it's their favourite thing in the whole world. Um, yeah, seriously, though, these songs are common enough on the UK charts that I have to ask, like, in all seriousness, do you reckon you can get an easy hit in the UK by just releasing a song in winter that's about going on holiday somewhere where yep. the sun comes out occasionally. I, you, know? you probably could. You mentioned the sun or something, summery and, yep. I mean, that's all this is. It's just about yep. sort of going on holiday, basically. Like, but I he mean, does have the sort of, um, sort of novelty riding shotgun lyric, you know. I'll be riding shotgun. <laughs> Sorry, when I say yeah. novelty, I mean that I don't think I've heard it used in a chorus before. Yeah. That's what I mean. It's a weird turn of... I mean, it's not even a weird... He's got an unusual voice, yep. sort of, or vocal affect anyway. He's got a kind of deep... Yeah. Sort of, he's ma- he makes he makes a real meal of the chorus. Yeah, he does. Uh, yeah, I mean, like... I mean, the, I like the sun idea. Like, if so, we could get rich, you know, with yep. this kind doing, of thing. Doing I mean, summer songs over there, yes. Yeah, and I want someone to pay me to sit in a hammock in far north Queensland, you know, yep. knocking out one lazy acoustic album each year yep. about eating fresh fruit for breakfast and not having to inject vitamin D between my toes to make it through nine months of winter. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, well, you know I'm working great. on a Tropical House album, Tom, oh, so maybe we, yes. should, we can drop that. If I might drop that in uh, the, the British winter... We go on places, I think. Absolutely. A little bit of UK funky mixed in there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, lead single, um, Deep Dickin' in the USA. <laughs> sort of, it's a play on the French kissing in the USA, That's but right. I think it's going to work out very well with a summery vibe to it. So, yeah, absolutely. I like that Jimmy Buffett idea of you just, you basically pay an audience of not very dis- discerning people who are quite happy to listen to the same album for six months every year. Basically, they, you, get them to pay your retirement so you can just go and hang out yeah, on the yeah. beach somewhere. I mean, absolutely. what's not to like? Yep. Look, anyway, I, I found this, well, I was relieved by this song, Ben, because it's after briefly visiting the arena of songs about emotion experienced by a human being at some point, it's <laughs> nice to get back into the inch-deep, piss-filled kids' pool of songs about fuck all by dickheads with heavily affected voices. Yep. Uh, Ezra cites Bob Dylan, Woody Guthrie, and James Balin as his main musical influences. Yep. The Financial Times described it as music that, quote, approximates rock, but without any hint of danger or unpredictability, <laughs> which is not bad for a financial magazine. Uh, similarly, Ezra said he got his unusual voice after he listened to a Lead Belly Greatest Hits record oh, yeah. and tried to sing like the vocalist. 
Quote, on the back of the record, it said his voice was so big you had to turn your record player down, Ezra said. I like the idea of singing with a big voice, so I tried it, and I could. Uh, how did you feel about it, George's big voice, Ben? Did you turn your record player down? Um, oh, I like the big voice, Tom, so I think it really <laughs> cut through um, because what was happening underneath, it was so unmemorable mm. that uh, at least the voice does stick out. Yeah, somewhere, so. yeah. Uh, look, I found his voice was so big that I put my laptop on the floor, took a shit on it, closed yep. the lid firmly and threw it on a bonfire. <laughs> on the other hand, it was running Windows, so I can't entirely blame George Ezra's huge voice no, for that. But yeah, I, I take your point. I feel like, yeah, his big voice is the only thing that sets this apart without him like, going rah, 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 and, shot, and, it's yeah. kind of and as we now know that was just an affectation that he decided after listening to someone else's album yeah, yeah. Exactly. on the other hand I mean he can do it fair play to him he's actually doing it it's not a computer doing yep. it for him but yeah anyway. yeah now Tom look I have indicated on this podcast uh, before that there's usually three reasons why bands are terrible uh, and yes. that sort of expands into I think sort of so, just sort of musicians yeah, don't remind us quickly because um, I think this is they don't practice theory. enough um, so they're unable to play their instrument to a good enough standard. Two, they can't write anything original or good. They might have the ability to play something, but they're just yeah. unable to craft an original song. Three, terrible influences, Tom. Ah, yes. They've so, got the talent. They can write songs, but uh, terrible their favourite so bands just, are shit. So it just turns yeah. out to be dog shit. Now, I knew George was going to be good mm-hmm. off the basis of my category here. And I looked through the list and I said, don't practice enough. Now, apparently he took up guitar um, at the age of 11 I think said he'd practice quite a lot so that he could get the sort of skill set that he needed mm-hmm. um, when it comes to sort of songwriting he said that look I don't have a lot of lived experiences myself I don't really want to write a song about being a guy from a small town so he did a lot of travelling around Europe and sort of wrote down everything that he saw because he thought no matter how mundane it is he might be able to sort of craft that <laughs> into some unique narratives so I thought sure. okay he's practiced that's okay um, he might he sounds like he can probably write a song based on his ability to weave a narrative somewhat. Sure. Um, and as you said, he sort of had the, that sort of howling wolf and lead belly influences yeah. that you don't sort of hear that much. Um, and then obviously what really captured my attention and cemented the idea that his material would be of a high standard was that you've got to think that everyone has a start in music, Tom. Everyone starts somewhere. Mm. Everyone has that sort of first band. Yeah. And I think that that sort of first band can sort of plant the seed of where you end up going in the future, Tom. Yes. So I knew that he was going to be quite a good musician and, and you know, someone that I would be following his career with, you know, I think quite closely when I found out that he started his career in a Wheatus tribute band, Tom. <laughs> Uh, singing the girl parts on the song Teenage Dirtbag, quote, I used to dress up as well. I used to take my sister's eyeliner and wear her skinny jeans. It was slightly embarrassing, really. Now, a Weeders tribute band is, is, I think, Tom, a rite of passage in the music industry. (laughs) And for those that are involved in that, as a sort of start point, Mm. I think that you do the Weeders tribute band and then, you you know, you really go into bigger things. I think if we asked Ed Sheeran and said, you know, where did you get your start? I'm sure he'd say, I was in a Weeders tribute band. Taylor Swift, the same thing. I'm sure Mm. if we went to the Madden Brothers and said... Were you in any bands before Good Charlotte? I'm sure they'd say, yeah, we're in a Weedus tribute band. Yeah. I think if you went to Axl Rose and said Guns N' Roses are one of the biggest bands on the planet, you know, what did you do before that? Can you remember your first band? I'm sure mm-hmm. Axl would say, yeah, I was in a Weedus tribute band. I reckon if you went to Paul McCartney and said, Paul, the Beatles are probably the biggest band on the planet that have ever existed. Can you tell me about where you got started? And I'm sure Paul would say, yeah. 
I was in a Weeders tribute band. I used to dress up as well. I used to take my sister's <laughs> eyeliner and wear her skinny jeans. So I think whether it's Paul McCartney, Axl Rose, the Madden Brothers, I think mm. everybody sort of probably got their start, well, definitely got their start in a Weeders tribute band. And I think that if I had any advice for young musicians <laughs> these days that are just starting mm. out, what I'd say is if you're in a band with your friends, you've written a few original songs, you think you're going places, you've got a few gigs... Put that on ice. Put that on hold. Mm -hmm. Start a Weeders tribute band. Do that for four, five, six years. Just pumping out yep. the Weeders, the Weeders covers, the Weeders tribute. Get your sister's eyeliner. Get her skinny jeans. Put that on. Do that six, seven, eight years. You mm -hmm. do that. You put mm -hmm. in the hard yards, and then everyone that has saw seen you in that Weeders tribute band will know that your next musical act after the Weeders tribute band will be amazing. So I think mm. that's what you got to do. Start with the Weeders <laughs> Tribute Band. Go from there. You'll be huge, just like George Ezra mm. and Axl Rose mm. and Paul McCartney and all before him. The funny thing is, I mean, apart from the, you know, the hilarious prospect of all of those bands who were actually very interesting performing yep. in a boring <laughs> Weeders Tribute Band is that by comparison, like I, you know, I did plenty of in-depth research on George Ezra for this podcast, yep. as I always do with all artists. And that, I managed to miss out on that fact. Mm. And that is by far more interesting than anything I managed to turn up. I think, <laughs> by contrast to every single other artist you mentioned, in George Ezra's case, briefly getting into drag to do one part of a song in a one song in a Weezer's tribute album might be the most interesting thing he's ever done. Because it certainly wasn't going backpacking which every single person in the fucking Western world yeah. outside of the middle of America does when they hit 20, you know. Yep. Oh, I'm writing stuff down in case I become a songwriter. I mean, Jesus, Harold Christ. If I, at, if I was at gun, if someone, you know, had a gun to my head and said, would you rather watch George Ezra perform Shotgun or a Wheatus tribute act cover of, you know, Teenage Dirtbag with him doing the girl parts in his sister's eyeliner and skinny jeans... You'd take the latter. Oh, absolutely. Of the time. And I would take either of those two things over having to try and read a book on my own and nursing a beer at a table in a backpackers while having to listen to George Ezra at the next table loudly try and tune a chick by telling her for three hours about all the cool places around Europe that he went on his last yep. holiday, which would make me want to chuck and jump out the window. Look, I've been to Europe, I've stayed in backpackers, I've seen dudes there with acoustic guitars. They are the worst people <laughs> at all of those places. Mm. And the problem is that one in a thousand must turn out to be George Ezra. And it's just like, <laughs> fucking hell, I, I hate know. that cunt. It's, it's, it's often someone from like South America or Spain as well yeah. that sort of has a flamenco guitar thing. Which to their, look, I'm not shitting on those guys. It's just like, look, I find that a little bit annoying. I'm just trying to chill out. Don't necessarily need to hear it's that. It's impressive but that he then, taught himself to play guitar at 11. That's yep. impressive, but you know. It was a weirdest tribute band, I think, Tom, that sort of <laughs> for, forced his hand there. He said, I yeah. can't do this forever. All too so. often you end up with a, a Dean Lewis or a George Ezra or a Passenger, who we previously discussed. Oh, you know, these kind of travellers who end up, you know, they, yep. yeah. Persistence now, is not always a blessing, I have to say, at least not for, for people around you. Absolutely. Now, look, I also find, Tom, that the most interesting um, musicians, those that do the most interesting stuff outside of music, mm -hmm. sure. 
tend to create the best art because they've sort of got a lot more experiences to draw on and can sort of put that into their work. Um, and George included, obviously, in his in his free time, uh, he likes to do jigsaw puzzles. So I figured Again, that sort of, yeah, the, the use of the, the, the... But Tom, you're not listening to me. I'm saying that the, that sort of experience that he's able to draw from that experience of putting the puzzle pieces together, he's able to do that. He's able to take that experience, weave it into the narrative of the song and produce something quite good. Look, I don't, I don't know, but I reckon he could knock out a 500-piece vulgar display of power puzzle before lunchtime mm. and then he can take that experience draw on it and put that into his songs I think so. I feel like off the top of my head I would guess that George Ezra is the kind of person who when he's picking out a jigsaw puzzle to do for you know some high end Friday night entertainment yep. you know uh, he's one of those people that picks a jigsaw puzzle that's just like like spaghetti you know or like a close up of a basket of popcorn yep. or a big bowl of Smarties where it, yeah, anyway. He probably has the uh, sorry, Spaghetti Incident <laughs> album cover to do. I think, Too right? interesting. But um, the, the thing is, Tom, that he doesn't actually choose them himself because his friends get them from charity shops and drop them over at his house. Oh, fucking God. So oh, Seriously, I'm struggling to stay awake. Can you not... tell me that story about the weedest cover band again? <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Um, he's got 16 million listeners on Spotify. It's, uh, it's something, I think something's gone wrong with Spotify. Oh These figures, God. okay, I better check them again. And $39 for this on Discogs, which is yeah. insane, so don't do that. Um, any good lyrics? Uh, homegrown alligator, see you later. That's not an expression. <laughs> gotta hit the road, gotta hit the road. Something changed in the atmosphere. Architecture, unfamiliar. I could get used to this. Time flies by in the yellow and green. No idea what that means. Stick around and you'll see what I mean. I just did and I still don't. There's a mountaintop that I'm dreaming of. If you need me, you know where I'll be. I'll be riding shotgun underneath the hot sun, feeling like a someone. Yeah. So he's dreaming of being a passenger in a nameless person's Hyundai XL, driving over a mountain range from the UK to South America, where he wants to go, as he later says, deep sea diving 24 hours a day, mm. question mark, and drink shandy. So pretty standard UK tourist. Uh, doesn't mention in the lyrics, but we can safely assume he's got a lobster red tank top outline permanently <laughs> burned into his skin, a pending assault conviction, and one small diamond ear stud. Yep. So yeah, all of this combined will make him feel like, quote, a someone, apparently. I'd say he's got self-esteem issues and, like half the people on dating websites, needs to stop mistaking going on holiday for having a fucking personality. Yeah, he'll also be eating exclusively out of service stations, I think, Tom. Oh, 100%, yes. Um, So, yeah, look, uh, do you have anything else to say about this one? Uh, No, 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 I don't. It's terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Um, Look, up next, Tom... For um, how many weeks? Three weeks. Three weeks. Only three, three weeks. weeks. It's uh, Lady Gaga this time teaming up with, or is it? Is it Lady Gaga versus Bradley Cooper, <laughs> um, Junkie think, XL style? So I think they um, went with the and and instead and of Bradley X, Cooper. You know the more common X with and shallow. Shallow. Yes. Now people really liked A Star Is Born. It would seem they sure did. It's mm. been. I think this is the third time. This has been made into a film, although it's such a very basic plot that <laughs> arguing what constitutes... It was famous. There was a previous uh, one with um, uh, in the 70s, which was, you know, a, a literal translation, but there have also been, I think, earlier versions as well. Yeah, yeah, I think this is the third film adaptation, and it was probably based on a 
book or play or some shit. Yeah, and and, uh, and you know, and other films have. But you're right; it is the most basic basic story. Yeah, it's basically (laughs) just an old famous guy passes the torch to a young famous chick. That's all. You know, one's on the way up, one's on the way down. You could argue that you know, for instance, Zoolander tells a similar story with Derek Zoolander (laughs) and. Owen Wilson's characters, one on the way up, one on the way down. It's basically know. like saying any sort of rival gang's story is a direct reference to yes. Shakespeare. Yeah. Or, like or that, any yeah. sort of musician making it yep. to, and then an old person resents them a bit and then they give them advice kind of, yeah. You know, yeah, so yeah. anyway, so that's the film. People obviously liked it. Um, do you prefer this version or the Garth Brooks cover with Trisha Yearwood? <laughs> Well, obviously, you know, the cover is always better is. than the original. And I'm interestingly, Tom, Garth Brooks does the Lady Gaga parts and oh, Trisha Yearwood does the Bradley nice. Cooper parts. Nice. Um, just, a, just a sort of a, yeah. a new twist on an old classic. Um, sure. So I think I'll wait for Garth Brooks' alter ego to release uh, <laughs> yeah, cover version no with... Um, yep. Now, the yeah. chick from Sixpence, none the richer, <laughs> let's say. Sure. Um, yeah, so this is, this is our one official big movie song of the yep. year. Yep. Although, you know, much less common these days. But it was a big hit. Like, this yep. was... The three weeks doesn't really reflect how much cultural impact this have, you know? Like, yeah, look, this was a big thing. Like Star uh, is Born was one of the biggest films of the year, I yes, dare say. Yep. Um, this this one, one shitloads. Of, yep. Yeah, it won the Academy Award for Best Original yep. Song and probably a heap of other shit um, mm-hmm. that you might reference. Um, but actually, interestingly, the song in the US was only it only made it to number 20 on the charts and then Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper performed this live um, at the Academy Awards uh, and then that that projected yeah. it everyone just went oh better stream that and then uh, went straight to to number one and obviously here yes. in Australia too so yeah. yeah look big song big film um, mm. yeah there yeah, you go. the whole soundtrack album is credited to Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper, which is even more unusual, really. I, yep. I can't think of the last time that's happened, really. The two stars of a film performing the whole soundtrack yep. together, you know. It's not all originals or covers, and obviously they didn't write all of the songs. No, no. Although they did, you know, work on some of them. I think Bradley Cooper has a sort of... He's got a touch of the Keanu Dogster <laughs> want to be in a band thing, and yep. yeah, obviously Lady Gaga has had a hit or two. Um, yep. Yeah, I don't know. Um, maybe Burt Reynolds and Dolly Parton for the best little whorehouse in Texas soundtrack. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it worked though. Like, yeah, as you say, in a year, the album, in, like, in a, a year after this, the album had sold six million copies, so wow. six times platinum worldwide, that is, and 2.7 million equivalent album units in the United States although you're getting into what equivalent album units means but yep. yeah have you seen the film what, what did you make of it um, I've not seen the film Tom oh, okay. I know that I have a blanket ban on all remakes so ah. I refuse to watch any remake so, so sometimes for better sometimes for worse but um, I've not seen this did so. you prefer the previous one I've uh, not seen that the either 70s <laughs> not seen any of them I caught that recently uh, some of it anyway how uh, was it well, I tell you what, the white hot sexual chemistry between Barbara Streisand and Whistler from Blade was very, very. <laughs> so they they meet. They have a real, you know, you know that meet cute. You know that oh, term. Yeah, you know, yeah, sort yeah, of Richard yeah, yeah. Curtis style. All came around a corner too fast, bumped into her with her shopping. Oh no, there's cans going everywhere. Oh, I'm doing witty dialogue and stuff. Their meet cute is more like uh, uh, extremely pissed and aggressive. Uh, Chris Christopherson runs off from his taxi down into a basement bar, which is 
obviously a you know a black people bar. Yep. And for some reason on stage, uh, Barbara Streisand um, is mm. fronting a sort of kind of not do what, but like a, a, a girl group, like a. Um, you know, sort of uh, Phil Spector style girl yep. group doing a sort of honky tonk thing. You know, she's probably the only white person in the bar. They've adopted her as a mascot for reasons known only to them. Uh, Chris Christopherson pushes his way to the front of stage, sits down, is immediately loud, pissed, and annoying, and interrupts the song, not with funny dialogue, just by being a loud, drunk, oh, okay. irritating cunt. Then he causes a large fight in the bar, Good. which means that everything goes to shit. The cops come in, someone gets smashed in the face with beer bottles, a bunch of people get assaulted, and he staggers out the back, shit-faced. His own management clearly hate him and don't like him at all. And so, yeah, after that, she just can't wait to get some of that whistler cock. You know, it's... Good times. You know, who doesn't want to be with that guy, you know? Absolutely. Now, um, was it better than this version? <laughs> Sounds like there's more fights. I would say it was more interesting yeah. in the sense that they, you know, but yeah, look, what people thought that men and women wanted from each other in the 70s is a bit fucking mystifying. Somewhat different, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't know. Look, yep. this is a lot... This one's a lot more polished. Yeah, know? for it's, sure. Even its deliberate, unpolished areas seem a bit polished. Yep, yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I... Personally, I much prefer the song Maybe It's Time from the soundtrack, okay. uh, which is a sort of simple one that he sings in a drag club which is closing when just someone says, here, just play a song. And he says, no, 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 I don't want to play a song. And they go, oh, come on. Somebody just gets up. There's like two people left and he sort of just plays this kind of smaller song. Cool. Uh, and it's a lot less sort of thematically narcissistic than this one. Yeah. I, like, I don't actually hate this. No, no. I've got to admit. It's probably the closest thing we've had to an actual power ballad for about a decade. That's what I was going to say. You know? yeah. yeah. And I like both of their voices. They're, yep. they're not terrible. It irks me a little bit because I feel like it could have used a few more parts to make it really great yep. not not necessarily more polished just a bit better but you know that's yeah yep. also I will resist the Generation X urge to say that the Pearl Jam song Deep does this song better and sounds like death metal by comparison because that would be lame and there's more to music than balls distortion and how good something sounds when you're drunk yeah, exactly. unless you're drunk when there isn't <laughs> <laughs> Look, I was actually going to say this seems like the perfect song for the film probably is the single that yeah. sort of came out and it was a big yeah. thing and you're right, it is a power ballad as close as you'll get to a power ballad in 2018. You just need Slash should have popped up at the yeah. end and did a guitar solo. Yeah. I think that would have been, it, been it pretty cool. It builds to a vocal crescendo though. Yep. And it, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And look, from from what I read, Bradley Cooper um, took singing lessons for 18 months or something before oh, the film. Oh, okay. So he um, took it seriously. And, and, yeah. took, and did uh, piano and guitar lessons five days a week for six months before filming the film. When him um, on stage, like there's him on yeah. stage with a real giant audience and he looks like comfortable yeah, on the stage. Yeah. He doesn't look like he's either awkward or like being an actor playing a guy. Yeah. He looks like a guy who's done it before, you know. Yeah, exactly. Cool. So he sort of taught himself that over a period of time yeah. to make sure that he was able to sort of get out there and do this. He obviously directed this as well, so like that was a pretty pretty that. big yeah. step for him, I think. People were probably like I think this was his directorial debut, mm -hmm. so to sort of say I'm going to do this film and people were like, oh, dude, you're doing something that's already been done before. If you fuck it up, you know, everyone will be pissed at you. So it seems like he was able to do it successfully. And I haven't seen it, but successfully enough that won a lot of awards. A lot of people yeah. liked it. So that was pretty good. So 
Um, yeah, good on him for doing that because um, a lot of actors would just be, you're playing a musician in a film, they'd just dial it in. You know, they'd just, yeah. they'd just basically come up and go, I'll just mind playing the guitar and I'll get That's someone right. else to do the singing yeah. parts. But he actually sounds like that he was completely involved in the whole process. So power to that. Um, but one thing, do you want to live in a world where Bradley Cooper has more Aria number ones than David Bowie? <laughs> Yeah, it's not it's not fair, is it? This is why this is the kind of stuff that demonstrates that awards shows are bought. Like, you know, fucking Post Malone being the second most popular rapper on the billboard charts yep. or whatever. Like you just you can't judge these things by that. But I take your point. Yep. I, I do. I mean, I credit to them for I will say, because it's kind of hard to explain but what I'm what I mean, but this song was sort of consciously written to fill this exact role, yep. both within the film and within the, the context of within the context of the film, but also outside of the film. It's like it's written to be the big showstopper song in mm. the movie, but it's also written to be like the single that's going to sell the soundtrack. Exactly, and it's also written to sort of convince people that who haven't seen the film yet that oh yeah. Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga can realistically do a song together that yeah. sounds like, you know, and his voice sounds kind of gravelly and old, which is like the character he's supposed to be. And yeah, like um, referring to what I was saying before, like with the lyrics, uh, the lyrics aren't terrible, but in the grand tradition of sort of overblown 80s movie songs, they basically explain the relationship problems of the main characters in a way that doesn't really makes sense narratively in the course of the film. Yes. Like, it just... Because it's supposed to be them diegetically coming up with a song when you watch the film, but it works when you listen to it later, or if you listen to it like, say... Ray Parker Jr.'s Ghostbusters as a song that basically tells you what's going to happen in the film if you go and see the movie. Exactly. You know? But yeah, or of course, uh, what is it? The one from Ghostbusters 2 by Bobby Brown. <laughs> very, very yep. in detail tells yep. you exactly what's going to happen. Um, is yeah. this the best sort of um, actor and musician duet since Huey Lewis and teamed up with <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow for Cruisin'. Fuck me. I forgot about Cruisin'. Probably. I'd, I'd say this, I, yeah, no, this is on Cruisin' level, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. This, yeah. Is, this is at least as good as Cruisin', <laughs> if not better. So, Yeah, look, um, I think in terms of, as, as I said, I haven't seen the film, but yeah, I think um, the, the song, yeah, it's definitely definitely a good song for the for the soundtrack, so. Yeah, I mean, sort of, even if you don't like it, you've got to admit that it succeeds on those things, yeah. like I said, and, and all those bits that it was trying to achieve, it did achieve. Well, it serves three or four purposes, yes. as you said, it sort and, of and dry, it, it and drives it the narrative in yeah. the film. I think this is the bit where they perform together for the first time or yep. something, isn't it? So yeah. there's that sort of, that, they needed a good song to sort of, yeah, like, obviously the narrative narrative of the film of them getting up and performing together and whatnot mm. great but yeah they couldn't just get up and do a cover of something I think it has no. to, had to be an original song that's right had to be a good enough song that people are like involved in mm. it and then yeah as you said it also outside of the film world had to sell a physical soundtrack yeah, and, and convince people and then people become a hit and then it was a marketing tour as a team yeah. so yeah succeeded on all levels so so well done to those guys you got anything else to say about this um yeah the lyrics well, as was I this? mentioned before yep. like I just feel like the lyrics could have used a tiny bit more work yeah uh, when they were talking about it they said that basically it sounded like I mean it was a it was a group effort uh, this one is credited to Andrew Wyatt Anthony Rosamando Mark Ronson 
yeah. who from uh, previous things downtown, and Lady Gaga. But it sounds like she did all the lyrical works. She just came in and sort of read them to them. Yep. Um, tell me something, boy. Aren't you tired trying to fill that void? You know, okay, that sort of suits the character's alcoholism mm. and stuff like that. Or do you need more? Ain't it hard keeping it so hardcore? Now, do you need more is lazy and it doesn't quite work. Like, needing more isn't his problem. He's dying of excess and has seen too much of the rock star life, mm. you know. And that last line is cringy. Like, even if you're desperate to use both of the hards, then to keep it so hardcore or being so hardcore would just scan better lyrically and sound less like outdated hip-hop lingo, which is not something that suits the characters or the movie. Mm. Like, that's not part of the film. Uh, I'm off the deep end, watch as I dive in, I'll never meet the ground. I think she means bottom, which is what you call the ground when you're in the water, but clearly <laughs> couldn't work out a rhyme for bottom, and I mean, it's a weird word to rhyme. Uh, crash through the surface where they can't hurt us, we're far from the shallow mm. now. In the shallow, 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 etc. Again, like it works in the sense that you know what she's talking about. But someone could have just said to her, the shallow isn't a thing, it's the shallows. Just say the shallows instead. Yep. But she doesn't. When you listen to it, she keeps saying, "In we're far from the shallow now. Also, if you end every chorus with, we're far from the shallows now, then it sounds dumb to immediately say, in the shallows 20 times straight afterwards. Yeah, Like maybe try not in the shallows or... Just repeat the shallows instead of, or the fucking deep end, which is what you're actually talking about. Yep. So she says, we're far from the shallows now, then repeats in the shallows over and over again. Like, this is what I mean. It's just like, there are just a few little bits that could have made it just sort of really like, you know, timeless, I suppose, yeah, yeah. in a sort of at least kind of classic rock sense. But, you know, hey. Now, I did read something that said that. I don't know what happens at the end of the film, but um, in, uh, I think, an early script or there was something that um, Lady Gaga had mentioned, something along the lines of originally the the Bradley Cooper character at the end of the film was going to drown in shallow yep. water or something sure. like that. Did that happen in the film? I can't remember. Yeah, but I... let's assume it didn't. Let's assume that it was... Because <laughs> yeah. I think it was mentioned that that was something that was going to happen, so I think it probably didn't yeah. happen. So would that have made this song better or worse <laughs> if it had, hey, if you had well, have gone in the shallow and drowned? In the, the, the metaphor is solid. Like yeah. she's saying, we're both out of our depth. Yeah. Me because I'm young and I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. You because you're old and you're lost and coming apart. Yeah. But we're clinging to each other out past the bottom we can't touch the bottom as they say in that Pearl Jam song we're in deep yeah, we yeah, can't touch yeah. the bottom but then she keeps reiterating the shallows which is not where you are you're over here and then she also keeps saying in the shallow which is not a thing it's yeah. the shallows it's not the sh anyway yeah fucking because yeah. I actually think it probably would have been better I agree with you if it had been um, tell me something girl are you happy in this modern world or do you need more I'll be riding shotgun out into the, 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 hot the, the hot sun. Yeah. I think that probably would have, would have been right. better. Maybe you should have just gone for a drive or something. Yeah, like clearly exactly. it solves half your problems. I'll be riding shotgun in the, <laughs> yeah, the hot sun. And then at the end of the film, he, he falls asleep 
outside and gets burned by this, get dies of sunstroke or that's something because right. he was too drunk and that's then he right. sort of, so that he falls asleep in a beer garden yeah. and, you know that would have been good listening to a backpackers and dies of alcohol <laughs> exactly um, Lady Gaga 59 million that's a lot we know that yep. she's got heaps of fans Bradley Cooper 14 million not bad for a part time musician no. he's mostly actor and director and stuff but yeah. he just has done a couple of songs on the side 14 mil um, none for sale in Discogs but the last one that sold of this did sell for $61 okay. so keep your eyes they're all the they're all fucking soundtrack. for the, the single I think you can probably oh, buy right. the CD yep. single gotcha. of that okay. the actual soundtrack itself you probably won't pick that up for about 5 bucks don't know um, alright anything okay. else to say about that no what's up next oh up next for the second time this year she's back it's Ariana Grande thank you um, spelt with a, just the letter U mm-hmm. next Sure. Second number one for the year. Yes. Um, and this is off the album of the same name, Thank You Next, which mm. is actually the second album she's released in 2018. Because the other song we talked about before oh, um, was, was off her previous thing? album, Sweetener, so which was released only six months earlier. So she's yeah. dropped two albums in 2018. If you're Prolific. A, yeah, if you're a if you're an A-list triple A pop star these days, you've got to be like these old you know, the Phil Spector people, you've got to be cranking out albums. None of this, oh, I'm going to, you know, spend five years yep. crafting my next masterpiece. You've got to be, like we were saying before with Taylor Swift, like taking a break for 11 months counts as a, you know, <laughs> yeah. a, a journey through the wilderness. Oh, what's she going to look like when she comes back? Exactly yeah. the same or turn out, but yeah. Yeah, uh, this debuted at number one on the Billboard chart, instantly becoming her first number one hit. Mm. Although she'd had 10 entries in the top 10 Previously, okay, uh, yeah. As you said, personally, I liked her previous biggest hit, the number two song "Problem with Iggy mm. Azalea," better. Mostly just because it's got horns in it that mean you can actually like dance to it. A lot of saxophone in that. Yeah. Wait, what are you supposed to do this song? I, what are you supposed to do this song? I have no idea. Stand mm. at a perfume counter, jack off, <laughs> jack off at a perfume counter. I don't know, <laughs> but yeah. Ariana Grande frustrates me, Ben, and I think yep. I've figured out why. Why's that? She can sing, certainly yeah. in a frilly contemporary X Factor sort of pop star kind of way, yeah. and her voice certainly isn't hard to listen to, even in a song as mediocre as this. Yep. But if you can hum any part of this song other than the title, I'll give you 85 Australian dollars thank right you, now. Thank you, next, thank you, next. That's the title. Thank you, next, I'm so... Fucking thankful for my ex, something like that. That's, <laughs> good. Something. That's not I the melody. It's just yeah. terrible. Look, yep. so I asked my friend Ben Reason, who is yep. an ex-professional opera singer, yep. now music teacher, married to an ex-professional opera singer. Yeah. Um, after I mowed his lawn so he would listen to the song, yep. um, I asked him why the vocals were irritating despite being performed with talent, like mm. I just said, yep. and he said, uh, for me. In an effort to sound sexy, she grips the start of each note, but doesn't have to as it's quite a high voice naturally. When the pressure comes off, quite a nice sound emerges, which she stops immediately or blurs into more breathy shit, which I'm sure she thinks sounds sexy or passionate or something. Mm. So what you have left is about 90% mannerism and 10% actual singing. There you go. That's fine if you're Tom Waits, but unlike him, her real voice could be very pretty, but we never get to find out thanks to this frustrating, ungenerous vocal wankatry. <laughs> so that was his professional diagnosis. 
Fantastic. It's good to, good to have some actual professional opinion on this podcast. Yeah, uh, I mean, I feel like you sort of instinctively kind of get that from this. Like, it sounds like it's overproduced. I get what he's saying, yeah. Within an inch of its life. Doesn't give her the chance to, she's like, how can mm. I sound sexy rather than just want you to sing it? As yes, should, so. yeah, or how can I sound sort of hip hop? But then that just means the chorus doesn't leave any impression because it's yep. half just kind of m- drape mumbled shit you exactly. know like which she's not a rapper she's not a hip-hop person why is she doing that but for sure anyway. so this song was written when ariana was in a relationship with pete davidson tom um, <laughs> sure who was. you know i guess we can <laughs> honestly say is an incredibly mediocre comedian who fucks well above his weight um oh i think God. that goes without saying to the point where you start to wonder if he's got the world's first vibrating penis or something i mean mm, anyway yeah. So I've certain I've certainly seen some of his material live, and um, I don't know whether guy talking counts as comedy when there's no, <laughs> no jokes or anything no. in there. But Let's just say that- references to like, and then I gotta, and then I go on Twitter and Kanye saying something about me, hey? and it's just like, oh, that's oh, not no. material. Yep, terrible. <laughs> um, anyway, look, but this song it's a it's a new take on the breakup genre of Tom because. <laughs> Yeah, it's not it's, uh, <laughs> usually most. You know, if we flash back to to um, Dean Lewis, his breakup song was like, you know, you've dicked my my my, yeah. my friend or something. You've you've been deep dicked by some friends of mine. Very kind of and, general. And now I'm like upset and get the fuck out of here. I don't want to see you anymore. And you know, I'm I'm all mad about that. Um, you know, we usually get that sort of, um, you know, fuck you, don't like you. But this is more of a reflective breakup song, Tom, mm. with Ariana acknowledging that while the relationships that she's been in in the past have not worked out, mm. you still grow as a person. You learn things. Yes. You, you get to be different as a, as a part of that mm. relationship. And she's thanking her ex-partners for even though that perhaps you know they didn't see it eye to eye on enough things for them to stay together long term she's taken something away from that she's taken away the positives from the failed relationships and she's thanked the ex-partners before moving on to a new partner so for example tom from what i understand ariana grande before she was in a relationship with pete davidson when she went to kfc she would always get a three-piece feed Mm. now after dating um, Pete Davidson, yep. he alerted her to the fact that you probably want to get a zinger stacker combo with some wicked wings. Yes. So now that's what she does. Yeah. So she's saying, our relationship didn't work out, but I've grown as a person. Yeah. You know, I'm a better person. She- I've acknowledged that. I've changed. I've learned. Thank you for that component. Yes. Next, she used to think that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, Turtles in Time, was the best mm-hmm. film in the original trilogy. Pete Davidson said, wait, watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the yeah, Ooze. It's got vanilla it's rice in far there. Superior and then film. they've broken up and once again, <laughs> now she's grown as a person. She's better than that. So she's thanked her ex-partners yes. for, for, for showing her stuff and learning and mm. whatnot. And, you know, look, I'm sure it's the same if you if you dated, say, Daniel Johns. You might break up, might not last forever, but then you just, like, at the end of that, mm. um, as alleged by a certain newspaper, perhaps Ariana <laughs> would be like, now I'm really into brown showers. <laughs> she's learnt, she's taken yes. something new, she's grown as a person. Mm. So the relationships give you a chance to, to learn something from somebody that you might not have known about yourself yeah. before. So that's what that song's about. I will say this is one of those things where... It's hard to tell if it's on purpose or not. Didn't you think... I thought, unlike 
anything else in any of the other songs that we've talked about this year by her. Mm. Uh, there was a tiny bit of interesting ambiguity in the fact in the way that thank you next could be taken to mean either thank you genuinely like but I'm moving on but it can also mean fuck you fuck you <laughs> get get out of there yep. like I it was like with I couldn't tell whether that was like intentional ambiguity or just a kind of disinterest in lyrical specificity I think it's yeah. the first one because she does in the other lyrics in the song she's like yeah. I'd like to thank you know I can't remember all the people's names but you know like yeah. I'd like to thank Mickey for teaching me love yeah. I'd like to thank and her tone Stevie is kind of forgiven yeah so yeah. it sounded it sounded yeah you're right it could be easy to think oh this she's being ironic or sarcastic but I think there was sort of like an earnestness and she was genuinely thanking the people I think so of, but I, I reckon I reckon she has deliberately yeah, kept that kept bit it. of ambiguity yep. which I, which is kind of that's not terrible that's not a bad no, title because the song the song got a lot of prey I mean I don't think it's a great song but it got a lot of you know year end sort of like best song of the year and you know, you know and a lot of people were saying how good it was because it was a, a new take on this sort of yeah. thing of thanking people in relationships. You, so, you could say it's, it's certainly more, by her standards, it's more interesting and sort of confessional than a lot yep. of her stuff, like, say, one of her previous hits, Got Me Walking Side to Side, which is about a dude railing you so thoroughly that, you know, you get a fucking UTI and can't walk straight. Yep. You know, by that standards, this sounds like, you know, Shakespeare, sort of really. Taylor Swift kind of, you know, analysis of relationships and stuff. Yep. But, and yeah. And she takes that originality, Tom, um, and uses that as well in the music video, <laughs> uh, where sure. she just references uh, Mean Girls and uh, Legally yeah. Blonde ad yeah. nauseum for it's, about It's like scenes, watching so. Not Another Teen Movie for five minutes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. It's like you say. She's, yeah. <laughs> she's also doing this bit, you probably remember in the video, where she sort of lays on a bed like... Sort of, um, sort of face down with oh, her hands yeah. under her chin like that, and kicks her legs up and down yeah, on the bed, like a sort of fifty sort of. Thing, she yeah. literally does that in the problems video and like two or three other oh, ones okay. that I've seen. That's where, a brand. Where my, well, I think so. Where to the point where um, I remember several years ago, um, my wife and I were watching. Um, Rage or something, and she's like, "Oh, it's a new Ariana Grande song just came on. I wonder if she's going to be lying on a bed, kicking her legs up and down." <laughs> and three scenes in, she was. It's like basically, it's. I don't know whether it's a catch sort of the, the thing that she does, yeah. but it's just like, "Oh, what are we going to do here? Oh, I might lie on a bed and just kick my legs up and down. Yeah, yeah. fuck, do that. Awesome." So, no, I, I take your point. It's a videos by Hannah Lux Davis. Yeah, like you say, it largely seems to be an excuse for Grande to indulge in a bunch of. Mean Girls cosplay fancy. Yes. <laughs> uh, personally, I had her pegged more as the chick who keeps trying to make fetch happen, but I can't really blame her for the cosplay part. I mean, yeah. let's not forget that every hard-faced gangster in the hip-hop scene spent the first five years of the millennium pretending to be Trinity in the Matrix. <laughs> so women should get to have a go as well, you know, if they want to. I mean, exactly. it's kind of, you could say, it's just no more or less interesting than, I don't know, Fergie dressed in a PVC tank top pouring milk on her cans or whatever. You know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just, exactly, exactly. They can't resist making her the kind of star. Like, there, there would be a way of doing this where you could have her portraying the kind of the dorky, you know, the the, the, cheap, the clumsy hot girl scenes from these movies and make yeah. her seem relatable. But instead they make her, she clearly sees herself as the 
hot, evil bitch, which just doesn't make her very likable, you know, it sort of, yeah. No, no, look, she did resist the temptation to put on the glasses and do the Freddie Prince Jr. Um, <laughs> she's all that type scenario. That would have been another one yeah. she could have reverenced. But the thing is, uh, I mean, I like the fact that she did do sort of the Mean Girls Legally Blonde, but I think uh, for me it would have been a more interesting video clip and probably would have tied in better with the sort of concepts that she used with this sort of thanking of past relationships and this sort of new take on that sort of breakup song, Tom, if for the video she had of um, probably referenced uh, more along the lines of something, say, Ghoulies Go to College, I think, would yeah. have been a lot better, I think. Yeah, so. or the 1980 horror classic New Year's Evil, perhaps. <laughs> you know. So, definitely. Yeah, put on the so, new wave gear. Yeah. For sure. So, something to think about for next time, Ariana, New Year's Evil or Ghoulies Go Ghoulies to College. Go to college. So, yeah, Absolutely. Definitely, definitely. Um, Anything else to say about this? Lyrical, spotlights, um, highlights. Yeah, well, this is a song which is either about writing off past relationships, Taylor style, or yep. being whimsically thankful for them, as we covered. Mm. Uh, except, unlike Taylor, uh, Ariana isn't afraid to name names. Uh, thought I'd end up with Sean, but he wasn't a match. Mm. Uh, Ariana and Big Sean started dating in August 2014, released several songs together, then broke up a year later, claiming it was due to tour schedules. Oh, yep. However, it was rumoured that they actually actually broke up over Sean's lyrics in his 2015 song, Stay Down. I ain't even gonna lie, I got a million dollar chick with a billion dollar pussy. Every time I come, I swear to God, I feel like I'd be rich. Uh, sounds like a compliment to me, Ben. I don't know if these bloody feminists, what do they want? Yeah. Uh, anyway, to proceed, uh, wrote some songs about Ricky, Now I Listen and Laugh. That would be backup dancer Ricky Alvarez, who was the guy she was hanging out with when she went into that donut shop and oh, sneeringly licked, licked some the of the stock and put it back, Damn. which even for a 22-year-old who looks 15 is some pretty contemptuous, immature bullshit. But yep. uh, even almost got married, and for Pete, I'm so thankful. Mm. Uh, like her appropriation role model, Kim Kardashian, Grande was once involved with Pete Davidson to the point where they got matching tattoos and were actually engaged. Yeah. Although she was sending him angry tweets the day after this song came out, so she can't be too thankful for yeah. it. Uh, and I wish I could say thank you to Malcolm because he was an angel. Uh, that would be Mac Miller, who she broke up with in 2018, psyching his various addictions and toxic behaviours, which seems fair enough because he died four months later mm. after an accidental OD of fentanyl and coke, a.k.a. the title of Post Malone's next album, <laughs> I believe. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But don't worry, because after seven or eight hundred repetitions of the title, we get to the last verse where Grande reassures us that after a lot of troubles and tears, she's finally in a committed, healthy lesbian relationship, Ben. With herself. Oh, that's good. Mm. Very, very good. Were you good. relieved to find was, that out? That I she's finger-blasting herself to sleep every night instead <laughs> of going out with a fentanyl-addicted rapper or some guy who brags yeah. about how a billion-dollar pussy makes his dick feel rich? Well, I think if, if I was Ariana, um, I would be finger-blasting myself to sleep every night because I had a billion-dollar pussy, mm, you know what I mean? Mm, so presumably I while lying on a bed, kicking your legs. Kicking your legs up and down. Because I, I think, yeah, what the ex-partner's basically... Yeah, I mean, she's she's not going to find another billion-dollar pussy. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure. that I, don't, I, mean, I imagine they're, they're scarce. Props to her for, like, four name drops in an eight-line song. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and actually being not afraid to go, no, I don't care who people know I've gone out with. Yeah. They can think what they fucking like. I'm I mean, glad that you sort of 
were able to find out yeah, who I the, don't those know sources were. Yeah, because I thought Ricky <laughs> was um, uh, Tasmanian cricketer Ricky Ponting, mm. so I was, I was confused well, on that you'd one. Be but, yeah. Fair enough yep. to see, especially once you heard that his album um, Six and Out are getting back together, <laughs> and that there's only five of them. So maybe she's thinking I could be the sixth. She, absolutely right. I could right. be the sixth in Six One Out. I think, I think for six Ariana Grande to to join a cricket themed <laughs> band is, is the next logical step in her career. Now she's got fifty five point nine mil. We talked about that before. That's Fucking fuck massive. ton. Um, this was only available on seven inch, so we've gone full circle oh, now, again. where people are only <laughs> re- releasing them on Spotify. And um, um, seven inch for so, the touch yeah. of credibility. <laughs> credibility. Clearly, fucking um, needs. So sixty three dollars, the cheapest one of these wow. would cost you. No, so that's right. quite significant. Fuck that for um, a All right, so <laughs> done with that. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So last song of the year, Tom, thirty first of December for one week. It is. Here we go. <laughs> Mariah Carey, all I want for Christmas is you. <laughs> now, Tom, here we are. Uh, would you consider this the upside of the streaming era? I mean, normally I would have said no, but <laughs> on the other hand, after what we've just been to, I've been through, I'm, I'm having to ask myself, is it fucking what? 15-year-old Mariah Carey Christmas song, really 50% of the good songs for this entire year's top number one spot. Yeah. Because apart from this and one week of Childish Gambino, I'm thinking 2018, Mariah Carey, do your worst, love, because good Lord. Yeah, now, this was originally recorded in 1994. So Sorry, um, not 15 years. 25 years at this stage. Um, released on the Mariah Carey Christmas album. We, you know my love for a Christmas album, Tom. Um, <laughs> sure. Whenever I see an artist do a Christmas album, I know they're going places. I know that, you know, they're sort of... They're not just fulfilling their record contract, Tom. They're doing mm-hmm. that because of a genuine love for Christmas, and I respect that. So, at the time, the song peaked at number two in Australia back in oh, 1994. Okay. So, it did nearly yep. hit the number was not able to get over uh, the Cranberry Zombie, which was the uh, number one song over the Christmas period of that year. Mm, um, probably hit. also around that time, I'd say the Adam featuring Amy cover, <laughs> Eurodance cover yep. of Zombie was probably out, mm-hmm. which also made it doubly hard mm-hmm. for Mariah Carey to, to get to the top of the charts there. So and also features a chick finger-blasting herself in a car wash. Yeah. Established. So fast forward 25 years later and look, Streaming being the dominant factor in determining which song reaches the number one song mm-hmm. removes that need for a song to be new, I guess. Because yeah. previously a new song had come out, the CDs go out in the shop, the kids buy yeah. the CD single, goes to number one, but then obviously the CD single isn't in the shop forever. Once yeah. they're sold out, they stop making them at some stage. It would occasionally happen, but it would require that the record company re-release exactly. physical media. And they Whereas just now they that. don't have to. You, yep. The song, if enough people get it, you know. So yeah, exactly. So that's sort of, I guess, uh, maybe, yeah, I mean, I'm going to say for this side, it's probably an upside of the streaming era, the fact that something can come out at any era, and if it goes viral... Or from any country, from any country, from before, any era, you know. Something goes viral, and then the next thing you know, it's back in the charts, even though it was released in, you know, 10, 20, 30, yeah. whatever the time was. So, look, that's pretty interesting. Look, I'm going to... We don't usually do this in the podcast, Tom. We don't usually talk about what's going to happen in future episodes. We like to keep it going, <laughs> sure. guessing, the audience guessing. We don't, no spoilers, but I do feel that it's pertinent to point out um, just for the context of this song, that from 2018 onwards, this song reaches the number one p- 
position on the charts every Christmas <laughs> until present. So the next five, sorry, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, yeah. So the next four years after this, end of the year, this is the number one song every year continuously. So, and may well be until well civilization collapses. What about Wham? That's what I'm thinking, Tom. So look, you know, I don't know. It's, it's the popular Christmas song. It's the most popular yeah. Christmas song. Um, picks up a lot of streams, obviously, around this time of year. 24 years after its release, it hit number one. Um, but, yeah, look, I'd like to think that... So, it's been this song every single year. But, as you said, what about Wham? Why mm. is that not in the mix? Can't that be the number one song next year? Is it just that this Christmas song is... Um, so, most old... Christmas songs are shit house, dog shit. Yeah, oh, you know, fucking earth. They're all, and most they're new all Christmas terrible. songs are and most, fucking yeah. awful too. Yeah. So, is that sort of where Mariah Carey was just lucky enough to... Well, not lucky. She wrote the song and wrote a decent enough song that the bar is so low that mm. it was better than all the dog shit that came before it and somehow is better than all the dog shit that's came after it. So it just kind of is the best Christmas song now, even though it's not great. But is it... Top tier Christmas song. It's really it must hard be. to say, isn't it? I mean, it's like if you're at home, for instance, saying to yourself, Jesus, any dickhead can write a Christmas song that hangs around like a bad smell. Yep. I think you're getting confused with any dickhead can sing a Christmas song yep. or possibly any dickhead can write a Christmas song that lasts for three minutes and he's never heard from again. Yeah. I mean, fuck, even half the Christmas songs that do somehow get superannuated into you know, the B tier of playlists and you hear in the shopping centre every fucking year are fucking terrible, even from a very basic songwriting perspective. Yep. You know, Santa Baby is a gift list to your OnlyFans subscribers that goes for about 14 minutes. The Christmas Shoes is so fucking insane, Patton Oswalt did an entire routine about it. Little Drummer Boy's fan fiction about a time-travelling urchin from Victorian England. Mm. I saw Mummy kissing Santa Claus dates from an era when kids catching their parents fucking was considered acceptable narrative justification for the birth of a slasher movie franchise. Yeah, and anything from pretty much any pop boy band or girl group Christmas album is just it's either shit covers of songs that sucked in the first place or shit attempts to write new versions of said songs yep. you know even like something like Wham Last Christmas I Gave You My Heart I mean even if the entire song turns on Last Christmas I Gave You My Heart and the very next day you gave it away just writing two lines that are that decent enough to be fun enough to sing every year while not making you want to stab your relatives over the turkey, mm. yeah, accounts as an achievement to me, you know. Oh, to, exactly. to get into that A tier. Well, like you said, I I don't know what the factor X is. I can't identify what it is that separates this from the B tier ones that are catchy, but I'm just saying, like, even if it's just that, yeah, like you say, they're so terrible oh. that, that a mediocre one hits hits yep. a level that they can't achieve like yeah. a level of acceptable mediocrity is yeah you're yeah, exactly right look do you have a favourite Christmas song Tom is there one that you prefer more than the others or are they all just general trash well I mean you could say that there's some stuff like say um Novelty stuff aside, or like heavy metal cover versions of mm. stuff that's quite funny, I am partial to that song that is uh, Moses versus 
um, Santa featuring Snoop Dogg is in oh, a yeah. rap battle. But I mean, that's kind of novelty song territory. But there's a um, uh, there's Fairy Tale of New York by the Pogues that always yeah. gets played on alternative Christmas lists. But I mean, to use that as an example, that's actually a decent song that's got weird, interesting shit in it, lots of swearing, male versus female stuff. It tells a real weird, long story. But it's too odd for most people. You couldn't yeah. play that in the background at a shopping centre, you know. So yeah. I guess I guess to hit that that number one every year level, you've got to be, you know, just sort of at the perfect level of mediocrity. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah, no, fair enough. I mean, it, just it's... a couple of other numbers just to, you know, underline what you were saying before. Uh, this was the first Christmas song to reach number one in Australia for 34 years. Oh, wow. Mm, the last one was Do They Know It's Christmas oh, by Band-Aid in 85. And that sucked as well. This is awful. what I mean. That was awful. Like, yeah, no one plays that. People, some, you sometimes hear, um, what was the other one? Not do they know it's Christmas? The American one, you know, we are the world. You oh, sometimes yeah, yeah. hear that, but nobody plays do they know it's fucking Christmas. It was also the oldest song to reach number one in the country uh, this year mm. because it's 24 years since it came out. Um, Carrie's its last number one in Australia was We Belong Together from 2005, and this is her third Australian number one. Yep. So, yeah, I think she's had more in America, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. And she's certainly on the charts all the bloody time, but yeah. Yeah, look. I do know what you mean. Um, this sort of has that sort of perfect sort of... Yeah, you're right. The perfect sort of mediocrity that it's not too... It doesn't good. piss you too, off yeah. with repetition. It's not offensively stupid. Yeah. Because I think that um, there's some songs that are probably too good. Christmas songs, for example. Yeah, um, yeah like Fairy Tale of New York. Yeah. I mean, it's, or yeah. Ice MC, It's a Rainy Day, Tom. Um, not enough fusion of the Christmas genre with Ragamuffin, I, I dare say. True, but, um, true. Yeah, look, every Christmas I usually dust off the Bravo Dance Xmas compilation released out of Germany in 1994, mm-hmm. Tom, um, on East West. Um, there's all kinds of great stuff on there. Real McCoy doing Shining Star, which is pretty good. Max, Power of Love. DJ Bobo, (laughs) he's on there. Um, And Master Boy, one of my favourites. But I think it's not really... It's sort of... I usually save this just as, you know, um, just before you sort of serve up the the sort Mm -hmm. of meal and you're about to carve the turkey, just as that's going to happen. You know, my kids will be like, Dad, can you put a song on? I'll be like, yep, no problem. And I'll put on um, Do You Hear What I Hear by La Bouche. And that sort of (laughs) usually sets the scene. I was um, going to ask what your favourite Eurodance Christmas song was. And it's good to hear that La Bouche is still kicking goals. They are still keeping it real. Yeah, now look, I'd say Mariah, she's definitely leaned into this um, sort of Christmas thing, Mm. um, no doubt. She picks up a decent Christmas bonus every year with this. She also oh, yeah, co-wrote the song. Struggling for cash. <laughs> there were two music videos recorded at the time, the most popular being a sort of lo-fi home movie style Mariah dressed up as Santa thing where she's running around in the snow. Mm-hmm. I don't think Mariah particularly likes that video these days as it features her ex-husband. Um, and look, she knows that the music's going to be played every year ad nauseum. So she actually yeah. filmed a new music video in 2019 for this song. So it does have a brand new um, video going. But look, the other co-writer of the song um, uh, was Walter A. 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 Asif. 
who okay. Tom, you'd be familiar with as the uh, the writer of the theme from the 1996 film The Hunchback of Notre Dame as performed by all four one. So <laughs> certainly know that. Um, he, but look, he seems to have really dialed back his work since 2018. He's only written two songs since mm-hmm. then, according to his Wikipedia. Prior to that, he'd been rather prolific. And I dare say that the reason he's dialed back the work is that um, as of 2017, the song was reported to have earned $60 million in royalties, this alone. And it's reported that uh, Carey makes $2.5 million a year just from this song. Fucking hell. So the money just rolls in each year. Now, <laughs> it is pretty crazy. Um, they Both of them have claimed that All I Want f- uh, for Christmas Is You uh, took a total of 15 minutes to write. So it's taxi one of those, club, exactly. Taxi club. Another one in the old taxi club. She's also there's also a version with Justin Bieber. They've done one oh, of those. They've good. got a video as well. It's the good, super good. festive yep. version, I guess, that distinguishes it from the only moderately festive one that Indeed. she normally does. And look, Mariah tried to get uh, Queen of Christmas trademarked as oh, that's she right. is, yeah. but, um, <laughs> the court went get the fuck out so <laughs> she was unable to get that apparently she was going to launch a, a range of merchandise it was like Mariah Carey Queen of Christmas yeah. um, couldn't do it so alas but there you go so look I, I don't know we're going to have this song every year from now on Tom on the podcast so if there's anything else you want to say <laughs> now you can but if not you can just if there's anything that pops into your mind each and every week, we'll get a chance to discuss <laughs> sure. this song. So, sure. anything anything you want to say? Well, now? then, I'll, I'll limit myself to one verse, then, yeah, just lyric-wise. Yeah. Uh, I think everybody knows the words, and then I'll... Yeah. Like a lot of Christmas songs... Like, well, not, like a lot of the popular Christmas songs, they're sort of too kind of mediocre to make too much fun of. Yeah. There's nothing weird. It's like the little drummer boy going rump, pump, pump over and over again. Uh, <laughs> I won't make a list and send it to the North Pole for St. Nick. Mm. I won't even stay awake to hear those magic reindeer click. Oh. Did, did reindeer click? <laughs> what da, is da, that? It rhymes with St. Nick, so <laughs> I assume it's, it's fine, yeah. Yes, that's good. <laughs> I suppose at least, unlike Lady Gaga, she knows how many syllables a yep. line in a song is supposed to have. But yeah, still, St. Nick and Click, that's not a great room. Yeah. <laughs> it's the magic room. Click. I suppose it's better than to see that giant Santa dick or something like that. <laughs> yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> because a lot of those songs, a lot of those old songs like Santa Baby, are just clearly about someone who wants to fuck Santa. Oh, <laughs> No doubt. Much like yeah. that chick from the film Bad Santa who just has a <laughs> sexual fetish for having sex with Santa. Yeah. Which, seeing as Santa is played by people's fathers or, as in the case of Santa Baby there, pimp, um, <laughs> that leaves a few questions unanswered. But, yeah, sure. Good work, Mariah. Kicking goals being one of the two good songs for this entire fucking year on the top ten. Absolutely, yeah. That was a fucking well, trash year. Anyway. That yeah, was Jesus. there was so much garbage oh, in that damn. year. It was terrible. Seventeen um, weeks of Drake. Yeah. What the fuck, Australia? Come um, on. Yeah. So and even a couple of the biggest songs of the year to only reach number two were total trash. Um, Florida Georgia Line featuring Bebe Rexa. 
Meant to be. I don't know if you know that one. I don't know that yeah, one. You're meant to be, meant to be, yeah, baby, meant to be. Terrible dog shit. <laughs> Another Post Malone song, I Fall Apart. Oh. And then uh, Maroon 5 featuring Cardi B, Girls Like You. Oh, so it cool. was just a fucking dumpster fire of a year, really, oh, this year. So. take George Ezra's shotgun and blow my head off. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> exactly. Look, anyway, thanks for listening. Um, we'll be back next week, 2019. Hopefully some better tracks in there. Can't be worse. Oh, I'm sure it Cannot be. Massive improvement. Absolutely. All right. Um, Yeah. Watch the videos if you want on the playlist. Yes. Um, Especially that Drake one where he does that fucking two minute shit (laughs) at the window, which is just so shit that it needs to be seen. Um, And yeah, I don't know what else. Ariana Grande kicking her legs up and down on a bed, I guess. Cool. All right. See ya. Okay. See ya.